you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. About the battle between Mattel and, uh, and Hasbro in the 80s. I had heard about this. Yeah, so uh, it, yeah, Lon posted it, and, it, and I had and I knew he really did know what it was, but because I had a picture of He-Man versus G.I. Joe, and I, sure. said, I said, no, it's not really going to be like a stop motion <laughs> of these toys. He's like, this is the greatest toy movie ever. He's thinking ever. small warriors done with. <laughs> no, no, small soldiers. Small soldiers, yeah. Oh, my gosh, that was a weird one. I have all those toys, too, somewhere. Uh, um, we just bought the peaceful ones that looked violent. Right, that was it. Uh, yeah, I bought them all. I bought them all. So I thought that that franchise was totally going to take off. <laughs> I was wrong. Yeah, because yeah, you realize, you know, the other thing is that that's that's the voices of the of the monsters are Frank Langella and Spinal Tap. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's who it is. It's a reunion. It was a Spinal Tap reunion when you didn't think Spinal Tap, but it was Christopher Guest, Harry Shearer, and Michael McKeon were, well, were the yeah. supporters of of. Uh, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, it was just it was just very funny, you know. Yeah. Like, oh. But what a it's one of those weird movies it's, where you go, the basic premise just doesn't work. Like who would have purposely designed toys like that? Yeah. It's it's funny too though. You you say you have all those and it's funny when you run into a collection when somebody and sometimes it's somebody will give you it, like it's yeah. hey, I found this collector's item and it's like Warriors of the Wind or something. <laughs> or there was some movie like Warriors of the Stars or Sun or something like, like Animal the, the Kangaroos. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah. it. Uh, I don't remember what it was. Pat Morita was involved in that. Yeah, I remember that. But, but but the toys are just you know it's like the movie wasn't wasn't very good. And the toys are. Do you know what I have that's really odd that I was convinced was going to be a big deal? What's that? I have Turbo Man, which is from <laughs> Jingle All the Way. Oh my God! That's the superhero right. that right. Arnold right, Schwarzenegger right, right, right. was. Trying so every to get. year you think some somebody's going to be running into your room saying, "I need every, a Turbo." Every Man. now and then I see a Turbo Man at a flea market or or a, a toy show, and I go, "Yeah, I have that." Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Wonder what they're asking. I don't want to look. Yeah, yeah, I know. I gotta. I I know. I gotta sell a lot. But anyway, all right. I mean, I think this is a safe. You got a nice lemonade there. That's a. It's a, it's it's the, uh, the soft or a hard lemonade. No, it's soft. It's it's the um, real lemonade, which is it's really good lemonade. But I cut it like half with yeah, water. Right. right. Are yeah. they sponsoring us tonight? Then no, no, no. no. <laughs> but I like them. All right. We drink a lot of it. <laughs> this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on September 21st. This was the last – this is the first day of I fall, like the way you look it? at the imaginary calendar. I the did. I was looking at, well, I, I looked at the top of Peter O'Toole's head, and go. he told me that it was September 21st, the first day of autumn. I should explain that reference that it's a box set uh, DVD of Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. So uh, just just in case anybody was unsure what it was, um, it's the 4K transfer. Is it the 4K transfer? I'm pretty sure it isn't. 
<laughs> I don't. Now, I bought the the DVD set, but then the 4K tra- Blu-ray came out after that. I think I have that. And Is so, it 4K? Well, it's the 4K transfer that they made. They downloaded to Blu-ray as well. Okay, so it I came out the, the same time as as Sony did the. I have the box set Blu-ray okay. of of it. Okay, yeah. um, which is still wrapped neatly, Nicely. on my shelf. It's too good a movie to leave wrapped. I know, but you know what? I don't have a son who will watch it with you. Time. Oh, um, yeah. And we'll talk about those things tonight. Like you're going to spoil crap like crazy for me on TV shows this week. I'm sure. Oh, but anyway. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. We are podcasting on September 21st from the Brett Cave. And sitting across from me is podcast producer and literal host, Rick Brett Snyder. <laughs> yes. I'm the figurative host of, and that's what it says, I, I, that's what it says on my SIG on my emails. But, but when we sit in the Brett Cave, actually, <laughs> Debbie's really the host. Debbie, Debbie lets us come Debbie in. lets us play in, at the kitchen table. Yes. Um, we used to put, like, game boards out here. No, now it's all podcasting equipment. Yes. Anyway, uh, so it is Thursday, and uh, we've got a lot of news for you. Of course, first off, I want to mention that if you are listening to us, you've already found us, but you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Google Play, you can find us on Podcast Pickle, you can find us on the Stitcher app, and, of course, you can find us on FanboyPlanet.com. But if you find it at one of those other services, rate us, subscribe, review, and if there's another service that you like to use for your podca- podcast listening pleasure, Please, and you think they should carry Fanboy Planet, let us know. Um, and share you, us. And share us and tell your friends because, I mean, that has happened. Like uh, recently getting Think Geek as, uh, as an aff- affiliate was because Brian Kent, a listener, uh, said, emailed me and said, hey, are, do you have an affiliation with Think Geek? And I didn't even know it was possible yeah. until he heard it on a different podcast. Of course, I don't know what their, people are doing listening to other podcasts. But that's they're okay. probably done with ours, and they're looking for something to continue. I, I don't know because some nights I feel like we're just endless. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so anyway, you can find it on FanboyPlanet.com as well, where each and every podcast has its own page, uh, which also includes uh, lovely artwork photoshopped by Rick Brett Schneider, and also links to some of the things we talk about on Amazon.com. So if you cannot find something we talked about at your local brick-and-mortar store, you can use the Amazon search box and sometimes the direct links to items there. We do get a small kickback, and uh, as again, I think Brian Kent emailed me and said, hey, did you know? And I said, yeah, yeah, I did. It just really happens. I never tout it, but the more people buy from Amazon through us, uh, the percentage goes up ever so slightly. Yes. If, like, people buy 30 things in a month. It's like water eroding a stone. Yes. it's If people buy 30 items in a month, uh, I think we get, like, 6%. Um, normally we get 4%, and yeah. it goes up. And I've never gotten 6%, but there have been a couple months where it's like, oh, that's dangerously close if you consider half dangerously close. <laughs> so, you know, but that's okay because I also, I also know that I do say I want your local shop to stay alive. Yes. And most people are probably buying comic stuff uh, after listening to the podcast. And so you should go to a comic book shop and keep it open. You it's know, important. Because as we mentioned, we covered a few weeks ago, Hastings, boom, you know, like the big chain, like 28 stores that was carrying comics, gone. You know, that, the, absolutely, the Southwest, I don't know what the American Southwest is doing for their comics now. Going, hopefully, to a small, locally owned 
business. Anyway, uh, so there's that. Also, speaking of a small, locally owned business, I don't even call it a business. Navigation, a love, a passion for podcasting and making people listen to us talk. What was that? That was my phone. Oh, okay. Uh, is, uh, you know, there's also, you can donate money to help support the hosting of the site and the hosting of the podcast uh, through PayPal. And uh, you can do that at editor at fanboyplanet.com. Or also, if you have questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Also want to say, as I did mention, the Geek at Affiliation. We also wanted to call out to Aces Weekly um, and uh, Instacator. They're the ones that, are, that supply that little quiz on the side, little uh, trivia quiz on the side. That's a fun quiz. I always, I always, Some of the questions are sometimes weird. The problem is it's down low on the page, so I come in and it's like on the fourth question I know, already. I know, and it's just it's placement. You know, there's only so much real estate on, yeah. the, on the space, and uh, – and they've they've offered me the chance to write some trivia questions, and I wish I had time to go back over the instructions on how to do that. But then on the other hand, it's like they've got some pretty good questions. They so I, you know, it's and just, if you if you if you go through the whole thing, you can start. It'll start over again. Yeah. So, you so can, it's it's fun. Anyway, uh, so that's it. Like I said, we got some comics news, movie news, TV news. I'm going to start our top story tonight. Is indeed. Oh, you know what? I just uh, downloaded OS 10, and I cannot get used to the new way you get to unlock your phone. Um, anyway. Top story tonight is actually comics, and it is that uh, Rebirth is incredibly successful. That DC has got uh, dominated for three months in a row, over forty five percent of the market share. That's amazing. And so there's you know a little bit. So this is kind of a Rebirth check in, but there's a little bit of controversy with it. Has been pointed out this week uh, in some of your finer uh, websites that um, that they're doing it by. One publishing twice a month, right? And they're and basically doubling down on number two publishing twice a month, month. and number three doubling down on those titles that are like the comfort food: Superman, Batman, Batman. Wonder Woman, and now and Justice League. You know, and so uh, and the ones that are all three. uh, Yes, and 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 we haven't even gotten to the Super Sons yet. But everything's related to and and Green Arrow is doing well. You know, the things that people know the most, whereas Marvel in in the criticisms of DC right now is that Marvel is doing a lot more experimental stuff, which I do agree with that. Yeah. But, you know, so I guess my, my main question tonight, and of course this is right into editor at fanboyplanet.com and offer me your, your opinion as well is it's, it's interesting to see the comfort, you know, yeah. because I'm, because once it's all, I mean, I mean, just like do a check in on because I have been reading every single one of the Rebirth books, with one weird exception, and that was Cyborg. Yeah, um, I looked at Cyborg and it it just didn't grab me. And it's no offense to the new creative team on no. that. It was just I liked what David Walker had done, and then I thought, okay, um, I didn't like the description of what they were doing with Cyborg, and so I thought, well, okay, if there's one that I know I I don't I don't care, um, that's going to be it. And so it's just kind of. You know, it's it's funny. You, I've always been more a Marvel guy than a DC yeah. guy. Even though I got my start on like Jimmy Olsen and Superman books as a kid, they were what my parent would buy, parents would buy for me mm-hmm. that and Gold Key and stuff. But this latest bunch of change ups, both the last the last one and this new Marvel now, though the stuff that came out of. Um, Secret Wars. Have secret you forgotten Wars. it's been so long? Yeah, well, it's, it, it was a secret, right? I'm, supposed to, yeah. um, I'm not supposed to remember it because I'm not a superhero. The 
That joke will never get old for you because you won't remember you told it. You know. <laughs> but anyway, the, the, so the, all the change-ups and the scrambling and stuff, I realized the other day when I was reading through one of the Avengers books that it's doing now what you had a big complaint about the X-Men in that there are so many different ones and they scramble them and they're all different teams and there's no focus in any of them as to what they're about that makes a bit of sense as to why that team collection is different. And the Avengers is different than the X-Men because you kind of gave the X-Men the leniency because they're on the run or you know they're, they're in different uh, modes of how they're dealing with the human uh, mutant uh, war. And, and, and we are both so old that we remember when there was just one X-Men book. And there was one adventures book, right? Yeah, yeah. And the the and it was X-Men, a big deal when you had an Avengers Defenders crossover. Yeah, and you only had to buy two books a month. Exactly, <laughs> to exactly. Get a full story. But like this, this latest business with Super uh, with Secret War, it's like they really have diminished the labels of the different books to just the banner at the top, and everything else says, um, says. Secret War on it, or no, Civil, Civil War, War too. Civil War. Civil no, no, no. I, like I said, I lost track that I had. I still had Captain Americas to read because I didn't realize that I had bought Captain America. Yeah, because it had a Civil War two banner. That branding of all the things that they have done, branding wise on a cover, I consider that a huge misstep for Marvel. And it's weird because I feel like there are a few missteps going on yeah. right now. But I looked. I looked at. This week, my stack was huge. It was like that, like uh-huh. three inches thick. And I just looked at it and I go, what, what, if I cut out like one book, and I'm thinking, yeah, if I cut out one book, which was just all the Avengers books, mm-hmm. which I'm not enjoying as much as I used to, I, I mean, you still, I would still buy Iron Man, I'd still buy Spider Man, I'd, you know, I'd buy a lot of the individual hero yeah. books, which are the ones that have stories that are cohesive and stuff. And they don't say this week we're going to deal with these four of right. the of the right. Avengers A team or whatever. And then next week in the same book, they're dealing with three or four other ones, and it's like there's no cohesiveness. Now, the same problem with with uh, the Inhumans. But I will. And there bet, are two books there. I will bet that there are a lot of readers, younger readers, who. L- it works for perhaps but the thing in Mar- things at marvel that i like the most are even away from that are the the things like squirrel girl mm-hmm. uh moon girl and devil dinosaur you probably even like gwenpool i don't know i think i bought a couple of issues i haven't okay. read them yet so i i don't know but i do like spider gwen i i you okay. know I, I i i like it conceptually um and it was I, I look at my stack this week. There's not a lot of Marvel, that, and, but you know it's not as much DC as you might think either. Yeah, um, like Karnak is interesting. I mean, Karnak they, is interesting, but again, it's a it's single so character. It's, it's a focused. single character. Um, there are other mutants. Uh, there are other humans in it. Ant Man. Ant Man. I'm looking forward to the the trial of Ant Man with uh, with She Hulk, and um, but. It's just like the Avengers is but, not doing it for me. But and when I'm I go thinking, over to DC, I could save you know twenty dollars a month. But here's the thing: is is Rebirth is. Um, maybe I should just take it off the table for both of us. Is is Trinity? Okay, is a perfect example today. You know, and I, and I suspected that I was going to have to call it out. Yeah, and you've got your copy. Got we my did, copy did was we on for once buy the same cover. We did. We actually we did bought the, the same, same cover. cover. First time ever. Um, and the and it was at the top of my stack too because this is giving me both the comfort food with a different twist. Yes. Highlighting the differences between the old universe mm-hmm. 
and, and the, the new, new one. These are not the same. It's not the same Trinity because it's not <clears throat> the same Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. But at the core, you are giving me the same Superman. And, it, and, yes. and as I, I, I mentioned before we started recording, how I went back and bought the trade paperback for Lois and Clark. And there's one issue in there where I can't now remember the name of the artist. It was someone I wasn't familiar with. But he was very clearly, though he was inked differently, swiping from Kurt Swan. Mm. And there were panels that were so clearly Kurt Swan poses. And I, so I want to harken back to what a how Lois and Clark was definitely a step in the right direction that led to right. rebirth because people were responding to it. But one of the subtle things that Dan Jurgens was doing, and I'd say probably editorially, they were having this artist do, is here's this book where he's wearing the black suit. He's constantly commenting how even the S shield is different. But for readers that have been around for a long time, there are these subtle things that are reassuring you that this is the Superman you, you know. lost. <laughs> you lost. That, yeah. you, that you loved. Yeah. And, then, and I realized there's even a reason why it has to be called Lois and Clark. Because the reason they got married was because of the show Lois and Clark. Uh-huh. And so, you know, that that, that it is hearkening back to that. It's like this version of Superman is tying back everything anybody loved up, you know, by having bringing Kurt Swan in, it's even pre-crisis. Right, right. It's like a summation of everything that made Superman great. Uh, and but you you went into New Fifty Two, and that Superman was an interesting character, but he wasn't Superman. Yeah, it was kind of like I wanted to see him in an elsewhere, in an elsewhere, elsewhere series. Right, you know, like- and and then to have this Trinity where. Okay, spoiler. It's Thursday, and this might not. You know, it's definitely not going up till Friday at the earliest. Anyway, when. When Clark says, I remember when you wore the rainbow suit. Yes. And Bruce says, I have no memory of that. You know, and, That was the first page I turned to when I opened the book. And, and, and that I, was such a such a brilliant thing. Yeah. I mean, you get to highlight all the differences, but you're moving it forward. This is a new version of the friendship. Yes. All of them recognizing, Bruce Wayne begrudgingly, that they need to be this trinity, that they are the anchors. And, the, and I thought... I thought this book would be the biggest cash grab. Yeah. And I thought, and I'm not even a big fan, Francis Manipool as a writer uh, did that, The Flash in New 52, and I mm-hmm. lost interest in The Flash really quickly with him writing. And it's not his fault. That was also editorial. So I don't want to ding anybody. And even when I didn't saying things about ed- editorial, they took a direction, they had an idea, they right. went with it, this is what happens, okay? It doesn't mean that they're not talented either. But I didn't like what they did. This, it feels... Like, maybe it's Jeff Johns interfering, or maybe Francis Manipool is finally getting to tell a story he really has a passion for freely. But they all feel so real. There are so many things that tie in. It feels tied to their larger universe, but so fun. Yeah. Wonder Woman showing up with a wild boar for a dinner party. It's it it's that feels like Rucka. I mean that you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. that felt like you know Rucka getting to the heart of knowing that there are these really weird quirks mm-hmm. that Diana is always going to have. Yeah, and there's one, and that Bruce doesn't like, and then little Jonathan who like who can't control his X ray his heat vision too well and blasts Bruce Wayne across the yard is like <laughs> it you know and, and and I think you'll get exactly it felt like. We'll harken back to the X-Men. It was like a softball. Yes. It was a, a baseball game issue of X-Men. Seeing them 
as just friends relaxed in a relaxed environment where they can just be real i i yeah Yeah. and and it's getting and and it got to the heart of what i like about rebirth is they worked so hard which i realized lois and clark does all these flashbacks in that in in that series Uh where they're calling attention to things in the past and saying this is what the difference is this is what the difference is this is what the difference is and this is this has given me back the versions that I liked. Now, on the flip side, on Marvel, you've got Clone Conspiracy coming where I wrote a little article saying, here's preview art, but isn't it weird that 40 years later, we're still talking about, we're still coming back to, and, to that original clone. So I don't know how I feel. Like it's, I don't, like I'm not going to, I'm not prejudging it, you know? No, no, no. But, but I mean, no, I'm not prejudging clone, clone conspiracy because I'm I love probably, the fact, I love the fact that this, this week's uh, Spider-Man has that wacky robot from mm-hmm. uh, from Doc Ock, the the green one, yeah. would, should never be able to stand upright. You know, but what I what I mean is, that it's like I'm always torn between this idea that we're going back in circles and we're just retelling stories over and over, and yet now this is what I liked DC about because it reminds me of my childhood. These are the versions of the characters. Yeah, they're getting closer to the versions that I grew up reading and loving and what got me into comics in the first place so so to cap the the dc crushing sales thing can you can we can i ask you one question mm-hmm. and i don't think there is an answer to this but if if you can come up with an answer that would help me sleep better at night we had flashpoint mm-hmm. and that rebuilt the world because of what zoom did to flash and then we had a bunch of stuff in the new 52 and then we had the next event that's escaping me right now convergence convergence right now between that we had a whole bunch of stuff with pandora the trinity of sin right that was supposedly she was supposedly kind of a hangover from flashpoint because we kept on seeing her <laughs> i like that you used the phrase hangover that was intentional i think you meant hanger on but no, well, uh, no, no what she was an echo or uh, was no, no uh, the escape hatch well we know see that's been lost too they haven't yet gone back to relaunch the legion of superheroes that's what i wanted to but the legion of superheroes said there was a flashpoint wall right and that that's why you had legion lost you had those right the, the team that was stuck in the 21st century until the book was canceled and now there's that it was got canceled which something is more powerful than being stuck so, yes yeah, something's gonna happen wasn't that there was a kazar Back in the '80s, when it was a direct market thing, that every time he got canceled, they did one issue where he like he get canceled, and there was this entire like mansion full of canceled characters. It's like <laughs> again, welcome back, Kevin. You know, just <laughs> kind of. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that was the thing I didn't didn't like with New Fifty Two was the implication was that everything we had seen before the, were these echoes of a universe, and the New Fifty Two. Was, was arrogant that this was going to be this was the universe it was always meant to be right but you also notice you know convergence really did something and i'd forgotten that it happened because it kind of got con- not not con- convoluted it was just like it it felt it so disparate in- it, was... it felt so co- inconsequential right some books were fun but the even the main story but what happened was that brainiac sent them back to the beginning of time and made sure that crisis on infinite earths ended differently Okay. So that the multiverse, it basically restarted time again and said the multiverse. Which book did that happen? Existed in? at the end of Convergence, but you probably oh, was gave up on it. the Convergence book. Okay. At the end of Convergence, they they went back. And so all the different Earth, all the different Earth heroes from different realities 
all went back to their original realities except for Lois and Clark. They went to the New 52 Earth. Okay. And so, and they referenced that in, at the beginning of Lois and Clark. And so it was just kind of this odd thing um, where I don't know what happened to Anne Pandora because they, the implication was that she was saying there was going to be this big cosmic menace. Right. And I don't even know if Convergence was that. And, and if it was, it certainly wasn't meant to be okay. because the reality with with convergence was it was a mess it was a cobbled together meant to be a fun thing to cover while dc editorial moved from east coast to west coast right so originally originally Originally. and then it became and then it became oh they're doing a secret wars we have to do something well but i think the other thing is uh yeah yes to some extent but the but the after effects of it were oh there were things about this that people really liked yes and that's and that's what came up, and Funny that's about that. and that's what's happening with Rebirth is there again. I didn't give Cyborg a shot, but even books like Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, maybe not so much. But it's just because I, you know, it's not my John Ostrander version. Um, and Deadshot, okay, it's well done. I just yeah. it's just not resonating with me. But I'm feeling like everything I'm reading is good even if it doesn't resonate with me like i can drop some because i just don't like those characters necessarily yeah whereas i gave all of new 52 a shot at least the first issue of everything there and that was immediately obvious which ones i was not going to pay attention to anymore because they were terrible yeah you know so remember blackhawks yeah i didn't like that one yeah but you know and and there are some concepts like that that are just Which is sad because i love the original black hawks. but but there's the thing they're concepts that are of their time yeah i mean you know black hawks just isn't many people have tried many talented people long before new 52 and black hawks don't they don't like us talking i just went out uh they don't like us talking about them black hawks doesn't really work outside of a world war ii milieu but that's what that's what you do it in it's like you do the remember the invaders right you went back and did, yeah. did a world war ii book with with the invaders in it and that's that's how you do those books mm-hmm. you don't you don't say hey let's put black hawk in the near future it's like no because it's not going to work you know well Hex. No, Hex didn't work. Hex, it was, Hex was okay. Hex was all right. It was yeah. interesting. And it had it. one really good issue. Um, <laughs> so, you know, th- that's it. It, it. They're dominating. And But when you say, like, how much they've got, um, let's not forget then that Marvel's going to be sweating a little bit because, you know, Marvel doesn't have the other 55%, right? Marvel has, right, they're dividing has up like, under image 40, and, Image and Boom and Dark Horse and Oni's coming up and... Yeah. And all this, and again, it's a great time. You know, it, it, there are many forces saying comic book shops are on the way down, but comic sales have never been strong. They're I'm sorry, not never been stronger. They are back up to the mid '90s boom level. And what I don't think is going on is the speculation. I think mm-hmm. this is really people are buying and they're reading them. Now the difference is they're reading a lot more different books. <coughs> I think in the '90s you didn't have as wide a variety. You didn't have as many publishers in place. Getting national distribution, right? You didn't have a lot of non-superhero stories that right. people were loving. Whereas this is yeah. just you know all over the place, yeah. and there's just wild, wild stuff. So, cool. um, all right, so let's t- talk. Uh, local boy makes good. Somebody got a lot of money, <laughs> um, which he's going to use his powers only for good. Uh, local San Jose writer Gene Luen Yang, uh, who I have talked about 
we have talked about many times on the podcast. He's currently the writer of New Superman uh, for Rebirth. He was the writer of Action Comics leading to the end of New How 52. How do you, you, you just say Superman? Or you don't say Superman or... Super hyphen man, yeah, because it is different. I put more of when I say it, I put a little bit more of a pause between the Which two. Which is, you know, it's interesting. I after the first issue, I hadn't really realized it, and then I read an interview with him and went, "Oh, this makes perfect sense." That his version, his whole idea is he's trying to make it like the slick, as you were showing me the Micronauts ripoff, is that part of his joke, not joke, but his take on it is that these are like the knockoff toys, yeah, the, the, the knockoff toys, and what makes them different. Um, but beyond that, uh, you know, I talked about him a, co- uh, a couple podcasts ago with his graphic novel series Secret Coders, mm-hmm. uh, Boxers and Saints. Uh, now I'm forgetting all, all the, sh- the Shadow Hero, and of course American Born Chinese, and there's many, much more stuff. I mean, he's just a brilliant. He's a featured artist at Ape. Well, good for uh, Coders and Saints. Oh. Makes perfect sense because yeah. he's local. Well, today it was announced that he won a MacArthur Genius Grant for 2016, which is a substantial, substantial cash prize. Uh, I don't know if it's cash. It's probably a big check, like Publishers Clearinghouse. Yeah, yeah. But um, standing on the front yard, they're 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 a pain. To, those are a pain to cash. But anyway, yeah. uh, so you know, there's a guy who. Um, you know, is a great uh, ambassador for comics and is serving with the National, or is the ALA, American Librarian Association, I don't know. Um, but he is serving with a National um, Literacy Program as an ambassador for, for graphic novels and literacy. And he has mentioned that, oh, there are several projects that he wanted to do for them that he they didn't know how they'd get funding, and now he has the funding. And I would say, you know, I, he is a genius, and it was and it is exciting to... Look at the San Jose Mercury. You know, I'm sorry. It's not the San Jose Mercury News anymore, is it? The Mercury News, your Silicon Valley newspaper. Um, to look at the Mercury front page and see that there are four Bay Area geniuses and realizing, hey, I know one of them, is uh, is just is just great. But he is. He's, he's a genius, and his work is brilliant, and it really could not I, – I, I can't think it could have happened to a, to a more deserving – graphic novelist right now so it's one of those good guy stories that- absolutely absolutely another good guy that i i ran a piece this morning and i because he made a very good point on social media we got luke cage coming to netflix next week and i said this is one of marvel's weird it's rare that they have a marketing crossover misstep like this yeah is you got a series called luke cage coming <laughs> but the series starring luke cage in comic shops is not luke cage it's power man and iron fist which perfectly makes sense because, of course, Iron Fist is the next series. Right. It's going to be the Defenders. But if you're somebody – if somebody likes Luke Cage and walks into – from watching Netflix and walks into a shop looking for the book – Well, there is going to be a Luke Cage book. By Jendi Tarkovsky. It's yeah. not going to be the same thing. And that's not no. fair to, to the work he's doing. Sure. That's, that's a cartoony – and yeah. it's going to be cool, but it's – but and it's back it's to – It's going to be Samurai Jack. Cool. And it's back to Marvel being very experimental. I love that Jendi Tarkovsky is taking on the character. However, yeah. there's a very solid, fun, well-written book right now. It's not going to look anything like the Netflix uh, Right, movie. and it's Power Man yeah. and Iron Series. Fist. And so we want to just call that out. Uh, he's been tweeting, and people are mistaking. Like, they think he's angry. He's like, no, Luke Cage is Power Man. All I'm saying is Luke Cage is Power Man so that people will go into a store and get it. So we're To gonna- be fair, I don't think there's, outside of, I think the grittiest thing Luke Cage has been in is the Mighty Avengers of late. I mean, you have to go of, way back to the late. Max series. For, Cage. For- 
for the for the big bad Luke Cage and everything else, like the Power Man and Iron Fist books, the, the couple of series that they've done have been a little lighter in tone. The 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 Power Power Man, uh, the Iron Fist books themselves get really grim and gritty, but not the Luke Cage. Right, but Man. I like what David Walker's been doing. Is yeah. you know, it's it's Luke Cage, and I'm not a I'm not a particular fan of Luke Cage or Iron Fist historically. Yeah, I'm enjoying this book that I like. And it's the same thing. I'll go back to what Trinity is, it does is uh, is that it, you're seeing a character at a different phase than you might expect. Mm-hmm. I, like why I like the Superman from Lois and Clark is it's a new phase of the story with a character I recognize. The idea of right. the family man right. trying to protect all that. He's and not going to put the tiara on. And that's exactly what Luke Cage, what Power Man and Iron Fist is. Luke Cage has become super, the Superman of the Marvel Universe, basically. Hmm. Trying to just be the good guy, be a good dad, be a good husband, and doesn't want to be in Avengers, doesn't want to be have any involved with that fiddle-faddle, as he now is famously yeah. saying. Um, Sweet Christmas. He doesn't say that, though. I that's know, the, that's the point. It's fiddle-faddle. Yeah. Um, get with the times, man. I read the Don't book. be part of the problem. Uh, I'm, I'm honoring the sweet Christmas line. No, he's no. gonna say it in the Netflix thing. I know he's. Gonna well, say I, it. I think he says it in the trailer, doesn't he? Does he? I think so. somebody okay. does. But um, you know, it's an interesting evolved take. And so, if you're gonna watch, if you're looking forward to Luke Cage, check it out. There are other old. You know, there are plenty of collections of of, of the older stuff. But what's happening right now is an interesting. Which they're, they're going to go to because Jessica Jones was the previous series, and that's clearly set up that they're going down the road. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll never get to it with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't know. But let's hope for it. There was a uh, – in one of the uh, Civil War books, there was a short – no, no, actually it wasn't. It was in Spider-Man. Um, the Miles Morales Spider-Man, the last issue highlighted uh, Luke Cage and um, Jessica Jones – interacting with with uh, spider-man with miles um and it was really good it was and it was definitely the jessica jones we're seeing now is definitely much more the flavor from the netflix than she has been before so even though and obviously it comes from the netflix comes from the book but the kirsten what her name whatever her name is ritter ritter gave gave a performance with her that i think she i think she'd gone away from that character in the comics that alias was that character i just read all the alias stuff and Kristen put another glaze on top of it that was that was not really in that book um and this was not this was again a different it's it's much more because we had we had her in mighty avengers when she was having the the kid when luke was going through the original Mm-hmm. Uh, conflicts so that character got definitely gotten away that's what I, yeah. I felt like is that they sanitized her for the mainstream audience yes in comics and then this the netflix series took it back to what oh the previous one wouldn't have been a, wouldn't have been a very good mother yeah, well true um but you can still have the toot i know plenty of people oh, yeah. that have children that still have the toot sometimes you get the toot after the children well that's why you're on sedatives. All right. So uh, I do want to circle back to one I recommended on the last podcast because I finally got to actually read it. Ted Knife's Knight's Dominion, which mm-hmm. I bought from Money Press. Yeah, yeah. Did you buy Did you end up I finding it? I haven't got it yet. So not realizing what it was, just buying it because it was Ted Knife. I finally read it a couple nights ago and went, it's fa- It's like a Fritz Lieber's kind of, it's a sword and sorcery universe. Uh-huh. And I say Fritz Lieber's like Fofford and the, the, the Grey Mouser. Mouser. But it's a superhero story. 
yeah. set in the sword and sorcery milieu. What would Batman be like? Interesting. And the knight is an uh, n i g h t. Right. Is a a female thief with a with an outsized sense of justice who disguises herself, righting wrongs at night in the marketplace, and uh, and so it's kind of like this. There's a gap. It's almost like creating a Justice League, but it's not. You know, I mean, it, it's conflicting loyalties. It, it, it's at d- different motivations as they're getting together to try to right some wrongs, and, and it's not even clear what the wrongs actually are. It's more like there there are people at all. The heroes are at odds with each other, but it's clear that they're playing that Ted Knife is playing with archetypes and tropes from superheroes, but in this fantasy realm, and it's just. I don't know that I've ever read a take that way. The only thing I think they tried to do it with Justice League Dark. Um, no, 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 because that's not a fantasy. That's a, that's a modern day horror. This is like no, oh no, back, the, what was the one after New Fifty Two? The the where they were um, all in the back in the Etrigan's day. Oh, uh, those were the Demon Knights. Demon Knights. Okay, so Demon Knights, and the other one I was thinking about, which is this is a real stretch, but I, it was when you were talking about this is exactly what I was thinking about. The cockroach from Cerebus. Wolver- yes, that's right. He was the cockroach first, then Wolveroach. And, and, uh, yeah. Like well, yeah. Moonroach. Moonroach. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's a different thing. Yeah, but uh, but that was done as a satire, as a parody. Yeah. And this is not. This that's is what just, I was, yeah. This is just a, a really solid event. And Ted Nife impressed me with his art from the beginning, but every book he does, there's like mm-hmm. a new layer to it. And this is, you know, colored, which he's been experimenting with. We, uh, Steve Simonetti and I were just recommending to somebody the Courtney Crummer books, uh-huh. Hermione, which are now, you know, hardcovers, which he colored, which I think the original runs were black and they white. They were all black and white. And then he redid them, and the hardcovers are all, are all he colored as well. And this is, it, it's lush. It's like, it's taking Knife's art with almost, um, Mike Mignola's color sense. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to compare because I feel like that's, that's doing a disservice to how good, Ted is, but you know that's what struck me was like kind of that that palette of like Hellboy, kind of red and burnt umber, uh, and, and, and with the blues, grays. the really dark blues, oh, dark which blue. is you know, okay. um, and so it's just it's just really a beautiful book. So I wanted to call it up because it's it's not the kind of thing you'd normally pick up. It's from Oni, so Oni isn't, you know, it's not necessarily going to be the thing that's going to that's going to be in every shop. Yeah, but you should seek it out. It, it is a it is a really beautiful book, and, and again, the name is is Knight's Dominion. Knight's Dominion. So we need to do that check in thing at the end of when we were talking about something a little more. I hope you leave that note in. No, uh, I'm going to okay. cut that part out. Good. But I'm just saying when I when I listen to it sometimes, and I'm we're yeah. talking, and we mention it at the beginning, and we don't. Well, then I'm going to ask on one we've one we would have missed last week because we were unable to podcast. Uh, my fault. Over a work conflict. Did you pick up Young Animals Doom Patrol number I one? Did. Gerard Way. So did I you did. read it? I did. And what did you think? I don't know. It's it's you know, I was it was felt like it was trying to be Morrison but not getting there. Especially like the burrito and then- it's it's giving me a- <laughs> no, it wasn't it wasn't burrito, it was a gyro. Yeah, right, right, the Euro. It yeah. looks like a burrito on the cover, but they, they call it a Euro. In, well, because, because this is a weird flaw in comics. 
No one can seem to draw food is it, in, a, in an accurate representation. Right. Look at some Justice Leagues where they get together for Thanksgiving or Christmas dinners. Like, right. There's not a single person with a plate of food that looks recognizably like food or recognizably appetizing it's like a plate or anything. Of hash from Hagar the Barbarian. It's not even hash. You know, it's just oh, Hagar the Horrible. There's a, yeah, there there was that JLA JSA crossover hardcover they did. Uh, uh, with the seven deadly sins coming, uh, Jeff Johns wrote it, and it was like that was when I first noticed it and started going like, because the food was so badly drawn. They're yeah. like, no one's eating that. Maybe Batman because he's got to survive somehow. But you know, so anyway, I uh, thought I thought the book started getting good when Cliff showed up, and then Cliff kind of went away because you had an anchor. Yeah, you had an anchor character, and and they did so many devastatingly bad things with the sh- the chief in previous series. Yes, and now it looks like he's probably coming back into focus in this book i you know so i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna give it one this is what i was afraid it was gonna be was yeah. that it was and, and sorry uh younger listeners i apologize if i'm offending you i hope i'm not i'm just saying i knew this was not necessarily going to be for my taste but it did feel like it was you said it's like trying hard to be grant morrison it felt like it was trying to be wacky for or not wacky that's the wrong word for it but edgy for edgy's sake instead of telling me where it's going to go now granted and i have defended some pretty out there grant morrison things yeah and so this is what what i'll say is this gets my three issue read because they have the um, the doom patrol omnibus morrison over on the well i don't need that i mean i you know i I mean that's how much i loved it and i wanted to read it again yeah so i i don't remember Morrison's Doom Patrol being that disjointed in any given issue. There would be a couple of elements that would be, you really have to wait for that to pay off. Sort of like Steve Gerber and his little, you know, troll that was going to kill people with his gun, you know. The payoff and that was uh, wonderful. Though. Or Omega, you know. Yeah. Uh, were in that the never, payoff never came. <laughs> Omega. It did. In, in another a, book. In Defenders, not written by him. Yeah. Um, because they said, oh, we got to wrap that up. You know, so... That I could not grasp what was going on, who had, who was really, who really deserved to be in the Doom Patrol. Like the thing is, if you don't know Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, you can you can grasp Cliff Steele, you can grasp yeah. Robot Man. It's hard to get Danny the Street. Now the villains, right. the, the aliens meeting at like a Holiday Inn Express, um, you know, in the DC Universe version from outer space, that was interesting. Uh-huh. I can grasp that, but who these new characters are, they needed to give me something beyond quirk. And I kind of felt like this was supposed to be that introduction. I was giving it a pass on not developing a storyline out of it because it was like throwing a bunch of characters at me. But again, that was kind of like, that's not good storytelling. It didn't give me characterization. You can do that, but you have to give me good characterization. Right. And instead, it just... It, and don't it, throw them to me all at once. It give just me- gave me panels... Gave me panels to make people laugh. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it, it just... It's it, funny because, you know what else, what it reminded me of, but not in the way that I loved the other book, was Secret Six. Mm. But again, with Secret Six, you had... Great storytelling. No. I, characters. I, you're not... You're, 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 let me finish my sentence. I had a watermelon. Uh, thanks. Welcome to the last podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that uh, that what Secret Six had was characters you already knew uh-huh. and could anchor yourself around. Even if you didn't, you knew Catman because when that came in, Catman had 
you know been reestablished. It was a it was an evolution of Catman. Yeah. But you had an anchor. You you ended up getting Bane. You ended up even when you got uh, Scandal. Was right. That was her name. Uh, yeah. Was Vandal, Vandal Savage's daughter. So there's a connection to Vandal Savage, even for some of his long time. Ragdoll. You knew Ragdoll from you know from other books. So there were things to was Maxima in there at some point. You know, uh, not Maxima. Um, she ended up marrying Scandal. There was a, a the big redhead, but it was a different villainous. Um, or oh, Gloria? No, not Gloriana. But um, re- yeah, regardless, yeah, I mean, I they were there were characters uh, that you could anchor on. You're going to introduce me to two new characters, three new characters, basically that I think might become part of the Doom Patrol. Yeah. yeah. One who's you're in her inner monologue, and she implies that she has memory problems, and then she may be immortal. Right. But there's not enough to right. go there, or is she just crazy? Right. You know, and, and it just felt like it was for its own sake. So, um, but, you know, I also I have not read the Umbrella Academy, so I, I wonder. I like the Umbrella Academy. Uh, I think I read one issue and just. And it, those were all brand new characters, And just too. for just for budget, I didn't, you know, I didn't get into it because. See, those I were all brand new characters, but something about the way he wrote that part, it, they were kind of a mystery that you got involved in as to what was going on there. Yeah, and, and, that's, I, think, that's and I think his here. editorial thing is here is like, I just want to be out there on a G and that's the, and it feels new and yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's supposed to be, it's like if William S. Burroughs wrote comics instead of what, um, <laughs> what, uh, Grant Morrison is, you know, would do. And I don't know. All right. So I do want to talk about, uh, not Grant Morrison, but Silicon Valley comic con 2017, uh, in late April. And their tickets went on sale today, and there's a link on Fanboy Planet. And why it's noteworthy is I just noticed in the ad today, and I was like, why is this announcement irking me? And I, okay, we're haunted tonight. The light just came back on. Uh, is that they, they're trying so hard with their advertising to evoke comics, and then they buried their comics guests. Art Adams and right. and well, the, Amy the, Chang. The was the Kirby esque was coming out of the. Well, ad. they use Zipatone. They're yeah. you know doing all the do- color dots right, and right, so right. forth to announce people that aren't comics people. Now it's a cool lineup. Uh, it's cool that there's going to be a, ca- a largely a cast reunion of Star Trek: The Next Generation. This is more cast members will be announced, which then tells me okay, you know, it's going to be a cast reunion um, hosted by William Shatner. I can't believe it's been 30 years since Star Trek: The Next Generation, but yeah, it's pretty amazing. That it is just, you know, that that that's 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 cool. But and it is a cool guest list, and then the Buzz Aldrin and people associated with the space space effort, um, you know, which I know that Steve Wozniak said he was going to do that. It was there was going to be a lot of science involved. I think that's really cool. It's just, and then your biggest comics person is Arthur is Art Adams, who really had you know, give me somebody. Well, they only list like two. two. Yeah, yeah, they only list two. And they say more guests will be coming. I just thought, it's again, for Comic-Con, let's lead with that. Comic-Con in San Diego leads with that. But the most noteworthy thing is, I didn't even notice that they did this last year, but this year you've got hotel registration open. And I don't know, maybe because you've attended a couple of conventions like at the Fairfield Fairmont right. where you have gotten a hotel room. Yes. In downtown, yeah. All places. the rooms are one hundred and seventy-eight dollars. Yeah, it's pretty good. 
That's yeah, I thought that was pretty good. And for that's those. that's what happens when a convention comes in and negotiates with the hotels, and that doesn't mean they've got every room in that hotel. They bought a block of rooms, mm-hmm. so there's some number of rooms in the hotels that are listed that they will fill. Yeah, and then they could potentially go back and negotiate for more, maybe at a higher rate, maybe at the same rate. Um, but that's that's typically what happens when a convention. No, is we, we know. That. I mean, that's what San Diego does. But it, but the fact that that San Jose's, well, okay, I'll grant you the Fairmont and the Four Points is that the one by Sheraton yes. now? Yes. Um, that's one block over. Yeah, it, is that what it's called, or the Mosaic? Is that the Mosaic is the bar? Okay, that's, that's why points. I got confused because yeah. I go okay, Four Points and the Fairmont are probably. A little bit higher, a little more boutique hotel than yeah. the Marriott, the the Hyatt. I like the Four Points; they're very nice. Oh, I'm sure they are. But, uh, but this, uh, my my point being that um, there might be a couple of nicer hotels than the three that are on this block in downtown San Jose. Mm-hmm. But these are really nice hotels, and they're really reasonably priced. Yep. My flip side is, and and. I think San Jose needs to look into this. Oh, because this is the Hotel De Anza, too. That's also a pretty nice one. Mm-hmm. Um, that San Jose needs to look into this is, if you're going to be thriving and you're going to make that convention center thriving, we need more hotels downtown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and because I looked at that and went, all right, this is not like Hotel Apocalypse, Hotel Apocalypse in San Diego where you're vying for 30 hotels. Right. This is just three. But they're good prices. I almost I thought, do I need a room? We definitely need more hotels downtown to if if this whole thing grows to to near the size of San Diego Comic Con. For Worldcon, we're in a comfortable zone with the hotels that they have for mm-hmm. for the the number of people that will probably come to San Jose, to Worldcon in San Jose. Um, well, because Worldcon size, what do we say that that is like? It it varies a lot. It it varies a lot depending where you are. Like the London. Well, I, I I don't have the numbers. I can give you the numbers later well, for the rest so, of the you know, nation. Then I think San Jose's yeah. got to get on the stick with that. I yeah. mean, I really, I really do because people say you can take your you can take the the uh, why am I calling it the Caltrain? It's not you know the the trolley and the light uh, rail. The light rail. San Jose is growing up. We celebrated by getting a train set. Um, that was that was back in eighty eight or eighty nine when they put light rail in. That you can take light rail in from like where there are other hotels by the Santa Clara Convention Center, but then that's the point. Yeah, they're by the Santa Clara Convention Center, so why aren't you there? Well, because that's not nearly as big, but right. it's still just kind of like it, it points out the thing when you go to San Diego or when you go to San, even really when there were in San Francisco and Anaheim is definitely this case when you go to WonderCon mm-hmm. is there are tons of hotels that are in walking distance of where you want right. to be. San Jose doesn't have that yet, and we need it. So this is my call. It's not a criticism of San Jose. I know this has been the situation, and this is what I've been trying to say to local local leaders. we got to get more hotel space in that downtown if we're going to be the hub for nerdiness, for geekiness, but for generally just to be because that's what a down uh, Because San Jose is the uh, – beyond just the fandom, San Jose is the hub of Silicon Valley. And we should be where the conventions are being held, not up in San Francisco. Oh, and I can tell you for work, when people come in, there are often a lot of people end up having to get hotels down in Santa Clara because instead of being by our office, because it's, you know, right. something comes in, right. not even all that big, there's no room. Uh-huh. And we got to take care of that. So, just, you know, so if you're interested, 
book that room now. Get that uh, room. You know, get that room. It's there on their website, and it's because uh, I mean, it's a good we, deal. We don't have the time to go through all the people that are going to be there, but it's it's a good it's a good solid list of uh, of folk to go listen to. It well, you know, I mean, stuff. last year they put together some really good panels, and they said they're going to expand that programming this year, yep. and so. You know, there, there was really cool stuff. And as we get closer to it, I'm sure a lot more cool stuff is going to get announced. So, you know, it, it's I, I'm looking forward to it and figuring out some way. There's, there's over 20 people on the tech, just the tech track of this that have been added, that are listed as Spotlight. I think, don't we have, I mean, isn't Buzz Aldrin, I mean, I hate to say this, but isn't he the uh, last living man who's been on the moon? Well, it's possible. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is like this is like attending last year. Nichelle Nichols. He knows the secrets. Last year, Nichelle Nichols was there, and she was on the panel for pop culture anti bullying, and realized. And she talked, uh, told the story about Martin Luther King talking to her. And I said, "There's not just something ch- thrilling and chilling about being in a room with someone talking about really ha- having been a piece of world history." Just a second, Zuckerberg. That's a reference that'll make sense in about a year when Donovan and Sims season two comes out. Uh, it's our default when a dog barks. So we can go straight into that section and we'll try to go fast. What's in the bag, Rick? What's in your bag? Well, we already talked about a couple of potential ones that were in well, my no, you bag. You can take that off. You can take that off. I stick yeah. it on the table because we had to talk about it. I know. No, Trinity's out. Um, okay, so I'll start with. Uh, Black Hammer number three. This is the, uh, this is the. I missed that. A bunch of uh, superheroes that shouldn't be alive today are all of a sudden alive today. Dark Horse, Jeff Lemire. Dark and Horse, a lot of fun. Uh, I bought the first issue. I bet, JK I at back. at uh, at Hijinks talked me into buying the first book, and then he cajoled me into in buying the second book, and I had to have the third book today. So it I. Miss doing three. I bought number one. Really enjoyed Barbalian. it. Barbalian. Barbalian. I might have. Uh, in fact, I might have ha- have bought number two, and I just haven't gotten back to it in the bags. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So that's that's my recommendation from Dark Horse Comics. I'm gonna say, whoop, this is weird that it's not a not a rebirth book. Interesting. But this was part of that what became DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Um, you know, I saw that it wasn't book. a rebirth. Re- it's not book. a rebirth. Now, it, do all the are all the rebirth books books that previously existed? Or characters that previously had their own book? Is that why she's not a re- rebirth book? No. Um, I, you know, we, we don't, this was, by the way, this is Raven. Uh, right. Written by Marv Wolfman, who was the original creator of Raven with George Perez uh, yeah. in uh, New Teen Titans. Uh, writing basically a New 52 um, version of the character. And the only reason I can think of that it's not a rebirth book is because it was commissioned two summers ago. Oh, okay. It was announced as part, like I said, the other books that were announced two summers ago, like they did like eight miniseries that were coming, and four of them became DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, they became that anthology book, Metamorpho okay. and, right, and, right. and you know, the Sugar and Spike and so forth. So I think it's just editorially was left over from a previous vision of uh, of what the DC universe was. Um, not that Rebirth has necessarily really revamped all that wildly. Like, this could fit, but it's just not branded that way. Mm-hmm. So it's not getting the push that uh, it should have. And it is weird to me because it is a Raven that is not 
you know, uh, it is weird to me to see Raven as 15 and I know, I know in the new 52, she was, and that's, it does tie in beautifully with that. They lost 10 years because even new teen Titans, they weren't, they weren't teens really. Right. Some of them were, but, but I always they were felt teens that, in the CW kind of way. Yeah. I, they were definitely played by someone in their thirties, yes. you know? Uh, so, uh, it was just, it, it, it's kind of odd. Although they've been playing like in the animated series, certainly she's a teen. She really is a teenager and a younger sure. teenager. So to see her at 15, um, it's, it's an interesting new thing for her. What I want to see is how my son reacts because he's he likes Raven a lot from Teen Titans Go. Will this take work? It's referencing things in continuity that I'm not sure um, are still true, but it's Marv Wolfman going back to the character, doing a really good job rewriting, you know, writing the new version of it mm-hmm. uh, of the character, and I could see people really responding well to it. I don't say I'm not sure that I did, but I'll bet my 12 year old son will really like it. I, since you bring this up, I have to ask you. Did you read the Teeny Titans book I brought you back? I from have PAX? not yet. No, no, I... it's it is hilarious. It's like one of the better animated shows. It's all about them. A, a company has made a miniatures figures game based on them, and so they have to go out into town and collect all the variant ish, ep, uh, all the variant figures of themselves. Like Cyborg's got a red arm in this one. Why is he got a red arm? I don't know. It must be explaining the story later on. I don't know. Okay, it's like, but it's just I, I don't know where you get that book. Uh, it was pr- a promotion with the Cartoon I Network. I just bet at conventions. Uh, yeah, just like how I got the uh, at Comic Con, I picked up the Colonel Core, the uh, Colonel Sanders tie-in book from DC. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Colonel, and and it was like. Yeah. They're all with what's the actor's name? Uh, uh, his version of the Colonel, Norm McDonald, Norm McDonald. Jim Gaffigan. It, no, yeah, yeah. it wasn't. Oh, all super, okay. They're all superheroes. They're all alternate universe versions of Colonel Sanders right. teaming up with the Flash to do the Colonels of, of multiple worlds. It's ridiculous. But the point is, they just hand them out at conventions. Yeah. And when I said, like, can I have issue number one? They said that was last year, kid. They didn't call me kid. It would have been nice if they had. That would have been very kind of them. Well, it's when I pick those books up, I'm usually like not expecting them to yeah. be much good. But this one was no, really they, good. They do some good stuff. Yeah. So, what's next on your stack? Next is uh, I'm gonna I'm going here uh, with two kind of kind of bittersweet because I've been uh, the DC, DC Universe Rebirth Batman is going to do the stand-in for the last couple issues of Batman and Detective, which have are now now about to do their first crossover. It feels too soon, doesn't it? It feels way too soon, and it's got me about ready to dump all of the books. Um, the Batman I've been enjoying a little bit more than Detective. Detective is the Batman family book, but it's really been about the destruction of families because it was uh, yeah. Kate, Kate, Kate and her yeah. father and yeah. coming to arms and can't get along yeah. and going to... Are you trying to kill me? No, I'm just trying to love you better. The storylines made no. no sense at all. No. And now they're they're leading into and they just did. You're so up to date on it, right? I'm a couple of weeks behind in reading it, but that's all right. I know what's coming. Do you know what happened to Jason Todd? Yeah, because it's referenced in Raven. Okay, great. So yeah. if it's referenced in Raven, it may not be actually what happened to Jason Todd. Okay. I'm going to say that yeah. much, but. Um, yeah, so this one, and of course this one, uh, bridges t- uh, in Nightwing, which is the one I'm not buying, into from D- Batman Nightwing Detective. See, I don't to do this. Con- uh, I don't need a Night of the Monster with Nightwing because what I really liked about Nightwing was that it was separate. so separate. Yes, 
Um, I'm enjoying it. I know some people are not, but I, I like, kind of like that. The, the super ironic thing about that is the character I was really enjoying reading is the one that still makes no sense is Jason Todd. Yeah. And, and of course they did that to him. Um, which itself is ironic. Yes. Uh, so, and he doesn't have his own book. (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, I'm going to then go to exactly another too soon, but all right, they kind of hooked me in, but it still feels too soon. Because okay, Revolution. Revolution yeah. from IDW, right. which is the hasbro verse crossover. I am only buying the Micronauts. Which begins, uh, wait, no, how many different books did I have to, I got Micronauts. I dropped ROM. Okay, wait, I, and sadly I may too, but because I'm irritated <laughs> that in order to do this, yeah. This week alone, as someone who was reading ROM, because I give them three issues. Right. Um, ROM, number three. Revolution starts here. Right. Revolution, ROM, one shot nice. in the same week. Another four bucks. And then the first issue of actual Revolution. Right. Uh, which, thank you, um, a certain website that bleeds and thinks I'll it's cool. I'll for you. Uh, yeah. Great. I'm really tired of that. It's yeah. really hard to avoid, and I and I'm sorry because like I'm behind. I'm behind anyway. But so I was in Dallas working all last week. I didn't get my books till Sunday afternoon. I yeah. was still working. Yeah. So that was my lunch break. Grab books. Read one, and then I think Tuesday night was I grabbed uh, Knights Dominion right. and the Lewis and Clark trade, and so I'm like trying to catch up. So that by the time it gets to Wednesday, I don't get my books till Wednesday night. They've, yeah, the site yeah. has spoiled everything. And they say you can't read. I'm a compulsive reader. I don't know how you can look at text and not read it. I right. know there are people that can do it. I can't. Right. So I'm irritated. But anyway, um, so this is a big investment too soon. Oh, yeah. And even if it's good. It's 12 bucks in one handful. On the other hand, on the other hand, I mean, it's, well, yeah, I've said Revolution looks seemed quirky that when i read the first issue of rom and i read their prelude for revolution now knowing what they've done with the hasbro verse by the time you tied it into transformers like well we've destroyed the earth several times over essentially (laughs) and which i mean mainstream superhero books do the same thing where you're just like why is anybody trusting the jla have you been reading jla I mean, that, I mean, that I have wor- it. That is that world is is like it's post apocalypse. Oh, is it's this like, the one where they're all mer- they're all one mind? Yes, yes. Okay, uh, I believe I I believe I'm only one behind on that, so I can take. You care have of that. mile high people sitting down in a city. Tell me that nobody got squashed. Or- well, there's like X Men, you know, X Men yeah. and Avengers, and you know, eventually someone's just going to go. Oh, this is this is on the Earth almost got destroyed. <laughs> yeah, last week. You know, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Next so, on yours. The next on my list Funny is, that I said it. is a little bit late. I've been meaning to bring this up because... Tell me that was a couple of weeks ago. Yes, it was a couple of weeks okay, ago. Okay, good, because I was like, I didn't miss no, there that. Was, this, well, you aren't, you aren't caught up in it then because this was the last issue. Yeah. This I mean, is, I have it. Well, we I'm, should say it's Legends of Tomorrow, issue yeah. number six, which came out about a month ago. Um, Firestone, Sugar and Spike, Metamorpho, and the Metal Men. Um, had its highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Some of the storylines, like in particular, I think Metamorpho went a little too long for what it was um and but but it in, makes a nice their, trade in their way yeah this is going to be an awesome four trade trades. or four trades which is probably what it's, it's going to be trades. um the metal man probably is the best of the bunch 
and the metalmen hit all the points that you want in metalmen stories you know the the sacrifice of the robots when they get destroyed uh, the yeah the new versions of robots well, see, now it's a funny Chemo. I mean, there it is we're back to we're back to in order to tell these stories you you have your high points right and we're just telling it over and over and i i agree with you i like this version this is i actually liked what they did what they did with metamorpho as opposed to the previous time they tried to re- revive metamorpho yes so you know it, it I, felt I thought, familiar. And there were a couple of hooks in the Metamorpho story that you just didn't see coming because they ignored, they went against the trope of the yeah. previous stories. Sugar and Spike was probably the weakest one for me, but in the end, even it had some some storyline threads that kind of went, I went for, you know, I never read, maybe I read an issue of Sugar and Spike when I was in a dentist office someplace but I never read that book. So these were basically two new characters for me mm-hmm. that make references back to those days, but yeah, that, they're entirely not tied to the original one. Um, but even so, there's kind of this, it's almost like a, a a a television cop buddy, He's he and she buddy show where they begrudgingly have relation, uh, have feelings for each other. Would it be fascinating other? if they showed up in Powerless? Oh, that would be really cool. That They'd would be fit. cool. They'd fit. Yeah. Yeah. And Firestorm does a reset on the character that takes it right back to where I want it to be. So there you go. um so Legend Tomorrow, you can you can probably find all of them in your local comic shop or wait for the trade to come out. Which I do want to bring up one other trade. It'll be cheaper. It'll actually be cheaper in six individual individual issues at three bucks a piece. Or wait a minute. At eight bucks a piece. Eight uh, bucks a piece, yeah. Yeah, it might be cheaper still. I don't know. They're running fifteen to seventeen for six six issue trades. Yeah. So, I, I do want to. It wasn't a choice because I didn't buy it. But it, uh, I mentioned the Lois and Clark trade, and they're also released this week. Titan Hunt. So two of the books that that really are crucial, if you care about such things, for what's actually going on in the larger secrets of DC Universe Rebirth. Titan Hunt came out as a trade. It was a miniseries okay. that also spun out of Convergence, where the Titans were starting to remember that there were things. Oh, uh, because the original Teen Titans did not remember that they had ever been an original Teen Titans, mm. and so someone had stolen that memory. So I, I, I just want to—I'll probably pick up next week. I want to get through Lois and Clark first, but um, you know it, that there's those little tie-ins. My book, my re- my—it's not my recommendation, my spotlight, because this is interesting. Every year, I spotlight the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, and this is the first year I'm going to have to say it's almost time for the for these yeah. to stop. Uh-huh. I've watched Treehouse. Of, it's like the only episodes of The Simpsons every year that I will guarantee I will watch is it's Treehouse the of Horror. Halloween show. The Halloween show. Yeah. And so I always buy this special. I've been buying these for 22 years. And this is the first time I was disappointed. Like it was tired. It was stereotypical. Yeah. There was nothing new. So I'm going to say, if you're a fan, yeah, first time I got it, I... The first time I can't really in good conscience recommend a Simpsons Treehouse Horror. Yeah, so too bad. I'll be, yeah, I know it's weird, but I, you know. But every now and then on the spotlight, I gotta say, there's one I just don't. So, you know, so, public service announcement. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because I do it for you. Um, that's why I spend so much money on comics. Uh, let's go to movies, um, which is uh, 
I'll, I'll go through some of the news uh, quickly. Todd McFarlane has once again given an interview saying he's almost done with his Spawn new Spawn movie script, which he's been almost done with for 15 years. It's going to be much darker. And uh, the press reports this as, as if it's news, but every two years he gives the same interview. Uh, he might even just show up with like a little digital recorder and play it, or maybe this little Todd McFarlane doll that you press a button and it gives yeah. this interview. Um, that where Spawn is just going to be like a presence felt. You're not really going to see You know what I figured out I don't like about that movie? I like most of that movie except for the climactic fight, which happens all inside of a house. It's like it's so cramped. and You know what? I don't remember much except John Logazamo being a fantastic clown. Yes, he was a great clown. Yeah, and yeah. That's, uh, that's all I really remember, and becoming the violator. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was at the time. Yeah. I didn't think it was bad, but the, every, the animated uh, the animated shows I think was better. I've heard that too. I, I don't think I've watched all the. I've watched some of the animated show, um, so maybe we'll see another Spawn. And I don't mind yeah. the take. I'm just tired of reporting the same story as the as if it was news. When it's like no, it's it's like any Hollywood. Deal. I'd watch it. I would totally watch it. I'm just saying. I'm tired of him saying every couple of years. I'm almost done with the script, and it's going to be this. <laughs> and you know, it's like. Uh, just just do it. Yes. Just pull the trigger. Get us the spawn. Um, you know, at the end of X-Men Apocalypse, I can't remember if you sat through that. Oh, I did. Uh, they hinted at Mr. Sinister because they had the Ex- Essex Corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, they, they hinted that basically the next X-Men movie was going to be in the 90s and dealing with, uh, with Mr. Sinister. But actually, Mr. Sinister is going to be the villain of the old man Logan uh, take on which will be Wolverine 3. Rumor has it that Richard E. Grant, who would be an excellent Mr. Sinister, Nathaniel Essex, uh, has been cast as Nathaniel. That's the rumor. But Brian Cranston is going around saying he desperately wants to be a supervillain and thinks he would make a great Mr. Sinister. I think he'd make a great Mr. Sinister. I think he could make a great Mr. Sinister, too. I just think it's fascinating that he wants to be a supervillain. I, I think it's in keeping. He's... He, he was looking for complex characters, and to I'm play. having a moment where I, I tonight where I realized I've really got to get over the fact that like these really good, famous actors know their comics, because uh-huh. of course they're my age. Sure, of course they grew up reading these. Of course they know them, and they got into, th- into acting. So of course they were reading comics. But you know, it's just weird. It's still an adjustment to the world. Um, and uh, Time Warner in the I'm going to start we're going to start so in 2016 like for our New Year's Eve show uh, or our end of 2016 we shall give or beginning of 2015 give awards for the understatement of the year the uh, undies we, we get we, we, we shall just one undie you give the one undie. it's like someone's in the running so the first nominee this year um, I'm sure we could go back but it just occurred to me tonight we got to start it Time Warner CEO Jeff Bukes went to a shareholders meeting and said about the DC Universe movies, there's room for improvement. (laughs) And and sort of like, you know, this is, it's back again with Fox and that Fantastic Four when we got the cease and desist order, like take down that article. You're getting in the way of us making the movie that fans will enjoy. And the fans are out there screaming, this is what don't we want. Make this movie. <laughs> make the movie this way. Don't do this. Don't do this. And he said, "Oh, it turns out that th- that our characters might be a little lighter in tone than we anticipated." Mm. And it's like, y- yes, why? You know, this is not. It was Kevin Sujihara who was the one who said there will be no jokes in DC movies because the Marvel movies got comedy. We're going to be serious. Yeah, and that was just such a mistake. Yeah, the Marvel movies are laugh a minute. 
Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, I, I love when New York was invaded and everybody died. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Just wanna... the, the thing about it, though, is DC may not be making good movies yet, but they've come a no, long... No, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. I want to separate that out because... Warner people... Brothers may not be making good superhero movies from other DC properties, but they've come a long way in their commercials. Hmm. I'm going to give, I, well, that's the problem, though. Suicide Squad was handed to their commercial <laughs> editor. But I forgot to write down, but here is here is one of the things that I think will make it look up. Margot Ro- Robbie, having been cast as Harley Quinn, became a huge fan after reading all of the Harley Quinn, doing right, her research. Right, right, She has got, she signed last week a first look deal with Warner Brothers to be a producer. And she is producing the Harley Quinn solo film, which is not a Harley Quinn solo film. It is, as was rumored before, a Birds of Prey film. Nice. And so... That's good. I'm going to trust really there. Good. And that's the problem. It's not an executive. Right. It's it's like Ben Affleck on Batman. a An actor slash writer slash producer who understands the character they're playing and, and is going to be protective of creating a vision of that character instead of a studio head being protective of... Of an IP, I think that's a good idea to go Birds of Prey too because it mixes in a couple of other characters. It takes some of the stress off of the Harley Quinn character. You and, don't have to have because a- the best of the X Men films and even Deadpool proves that you can you can juggle multiple characters, you yeah. can introduce multiple characters, yep. and essentially make a team movie under the title of a different you know of and a even, solo character. Even Deadpool. Which had a tremendous em- emphasis on that. That 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 was remarkable that they pulled that off with so much emphasis on the Deadpool character, who is such an extreme character. But you could still have Colossus, which was right. really essentially no, the first totally. time Colossus's character was developed on screen. Yes, he'd appeared, but this was the first time he really got developed. And what was the girl's and teenage name? Negasonic Warhead? Right, right. Uh, and you know, and, and so, and, and Ajax is a villain, and you right. know, all all kinds of, you know, it was it was just, and and, and the best of the X Men, even Wolverine, you know, has done that, right? And, um, but X Men definitely has juggled a lot of characters, introduced new ones, and been like, they're just cool for their own sake. But if you could give me Black Canary, a cinema, a movie version of Black Canary, a movie version of Batgirl, because you've got Batman established, that's no big right. stretch, um. I don't know who else you might throw in. I don't think I need anybody I try else. to throw Huntress in there. I throw Huntress and Poison Ivy. And I do Huntress with a little bit more of an edge on than she usually has. Make her more Batman-like. Did you just read the Rebirth, Huntress? No, I haven't. In Birds of Prey? Yeah. Batgirl in the Birds of Prey? Yeah. Yeah, she's a lot more Batman-like. Okay, good. Uh, only only Batman would have to step step back and go, Ooh. Oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe... Mm, mm. <laughs> hey, there are kids watching. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. No, you can totally do that, and yeah. uh, so so that's it. And in the weird uh, to me, uh, on the Marvel on the Disney side, Bob Iger addressed his stockholders, and this is actually not a bad thing because he's totally right. Is uh, he had to speak to the shareholders and establish lowering expectations for Rogue One because the Force Awakens. I mean, this is we've years of pent up this that <laughs> this is. The problem with Hollywood right now is everything's got to be bigger and bigger. Right. And when The Force Awakens opened, it was the biggest that could possibly be. You can't top that without right. raising prices. It and raising prices are going to do it. It's getting silly. Yeah. But the other thing is Rogue One should be a different tone. And as we've, I totally we've agree. said, you know, it's 
it's really the first time that a Star Wars movie is going outside of the Skywalker clan. It really is doing what the books, uh, what the novels have been free to do. Um, You know, not all the novels, obviously. There are plenty that still dealt with that main storyline. But to go off to the side and tell this story, it's an experiment. I think it's an experiment. It's a better place to tell a story from the story's sake because you have characters that... Anything could happen to them. Nothing's, nothing's, that's absolutely, they're not franchise that, breakers. That's when they absolutely die, true. Know? Although, you know, the great thing is I would love to see, like, I can't remember the name yet because <laughs> I have not yet been inundated with marketing. I've only seen an occasional t-shirt. Um, Alan Tudyk's droid. If he shows up in episode eight, I will squee with delight. Yes. That, you know, after Rogue One opens, or Rogue One opens, and then a month later there's a trailer for episode eight when and they release the title, and there he is, and we all go, yee! Um, uh-huh. You know, uh, everybody else. And he's got one red arm. Has anybody called out? I don't know if we called this out on the on the podcast or not. But had you noticed that in the new the newest trailer for Rogue One, which they said had gone back for like six weeks of reshoots, which isn't a bad thing. Many films do yeah, that. Yeah. It's not necessarily meaning, oh, it's a mess. They need to... Forrest Whitaker looks completely different. I mean physically um, in terms of like makeup and appearance of the character than he did in the first trailer they released for Rogue One. I didn't notice that. I should go back. Go back. He has, and I, I, but it's really what it struck me is that his uh, haircut, his hairstyle, everything in the new trailer looks, no, he looks like, um, his hair looks like Frederick Douglass. It's like kind of the way, you know, it's um, the photos of, of Frederick Douglass, which I think, you know, was kind of an interesting look. For a Star Wars character, um, uh-huh. but he's bald in the original trailer, and now there are no shots in the new trailer of him being bald. So I'm wondering if, like, they really and and he's got more makeup. He's look he is looking older uh-huh. in in the new version, more grizzled. And and so I'm wondering if wondering that was if one of the things. If they, effect, no, no, no. If they no. just took him out, okay. If they took out the old, like threw out the old footage the old with footage him, and, and then and then gave him a more unique look instead of being just Forrest Whitaker in a Star Wars costume, which yeah. is let's face it, Mace Windu is just Samuel L. Jackson wearing a Jedi. That's robe. damn straight. You know, whereas you do feel like you and McGregor walked in. Well, that's Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, yeah. because he grew a beard, right? Um, and so Forrest Whitaker looks very different. It's, it's interesting. I can't think where any other character besides Tudyk Droid could survive into the next, you know, into anything else. And I don't think they're planning to do spin-offs. But also with that, as they said, they, they, they also said, Iger said he had just had a meeting where, um, you know, they had Star Wars planned out to 2020. And now they're talking the next decade for both Star Wars and Marvel. And I know it's been cliche, but now we have to accept there will be Star Wars movies long after we're dead. And this is, and this is Hollywood, and this yeah. is franchise. Get ready for it. This is the way it's going to be. Yep. So, uh, and I guess I'm okay with that. Uh, let's look ahead to. Uh, you pointed out the Mercury News ran some of the things. We have a rare opportunity to talk about movies coming up in the fall and winter. Rick said something really cute. It was like after a long dry spell in September, after a summer movie, just, just because you were upset by. All uh, of them. By all of them? No, come on. You must have liked something. I liked Deadpool. No, that was in February. I know. No, you didn't like any summer movie. What do we have? I don't remember. See? Uh, <laughs> there was the disappointment of X-Men Apocalypse. There was... No, there was... A, what the hell have I seen lately? Um, 
I've heard that Kubo and the Two Strings is really good, I've but I haven't seen it I've yet. I've heard that's okay. See, but, uh, I did like uh, uh, Finding Dory. Yeah. Yeah. I like. I did like Suicide Squad so much. We both agreed that it was fun. It just wasn't well it done. Wasn't, it wasn't. Yeah, it didn't meet expectations. You know what Suicide Squad was? It's the Gotham of the DC movie universe. Um where it's like, well, it's kind of crazy. Gotham makes a little more sense. Ugh. Well, we'll get back to that. A little more sense. Uh, yeah. Um, opening next week is Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which right. is Tim Burton's oh, well, X-Men. This week, tomorrow tomorrow opens uh, The Seven Samurai. The Mag- Magnificent, Magnificent Seven. Magnificent Seven. The Seven Samurai is a Japanese film. Right. Magnificent so I get, Seven is a Western. I, I get this all confused because, um, because my deal has been that uh, The Magnificent Seven is a remake of Battle from Beyond the Stars. You know that uh, it just doesn't get any funnier every time you tell I me that. that. I love I, that. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. And if you think it's funny Seven too, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. We'll take a tally. If you remember uh, Battlefield and the Stars. Uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, although actually, you know, keeping it real, uh, David J. Fowley, the Chicago critic who sometimes lets his bars up, they've been running a series reviewing every Magnificent Seven sequel. Oh. And some I had forgotten existed. Like, I've only seen The Magnificent Seven, the original, and oh, okay. forgot that there were, like, three or four. And as people are complaining about a remake, it's like, well, there were three or four, and one even, You like, mean legitimate sequels, Legitimate not, sequels okay. to the Yul Brynner, the 1961 movie. Yeah. Which, by the, time it, by the time it ended, they had no original members left. Right. Lee Van Cleef took over for Yul Brynner. And they did Westworld. And then there was a television series of Magnificent Seven. Okay. So, I mean, you know, it's... Yeah, yeah. The, I know it opens tomorrow, and it's getting a lot of uh, bad reviews. Is it? That's so, too bad. Uh, well, I'm going to see it because I know my son wants to see it. Yeah. Storks opens tomorrow, too, which actually kind of looks kind of cute and it, has Key and Peel as wolves. It does look cute, yeah. Um, so, Ms. Peregrine's Tim Burton's X-Men is opening next That next looks cool. Friday. Uh, yes. Uh, what did I circle next? A Monster Calls, which is with Liam Neeson as a monster, as a boy dealing with his mother's illness. Uh, and as we, we joked beforehand, but this is true, <clears throat> Tyler Perry's Boo, a Medea <laughs> Halloween. I think Tyler Perry may have made, I watched the trailer for this, you said this. he may have made the first Medea movie that I want to see. And I had the exact same reaction when I read that coming up. And I went, that could work. That could be pretty cool. And this is, I uh, you know, eventually after just so many of them, Ernest wore me down too, and yeah. I saw a couple of Ernest. This could be I the ghost Ernest and Mr. Ghost Chicken Jeff. for the 21st century. Why not? You know, we not to say not to mock. I want to take, step back for a second and realize, you know, that Tyler Perry is the most valuable man oh, yes. in Hollywood. Oh yeah, completely independent, doing this. His films cost nothing to make. He's the wealthiest. He's box office wise, he is the wealthiest man in Hollywood. Yeah. And he owns everything himself. And I shout out to that guy. If I if I mock, it's because I'm jealous as hell that he figured out a way yep. to channel and he taps. He is it not into focused on me as an audience, and that's fine. Yeah, you know. I mean, and it, and it's amazing. He's a talented man. It's just it, I've not wanted to see a Medea movie. Now I want to. Yep. And, I hope uh, it plays somewhere near us, and we don't have to go to Sacramento. Or oh no, they do. They play AMC's Get Them. Do they? Know? Yeah. Okay. They're not that indie. Okay. You know, um, it's just uh, just never gone. So I'm going to, uh, of course, Doctor Strange in November. Yes. Which, if you get the, I'm sure you already have it, but the Captain America Civil War uh, 
Blu-ray has a, a preview of Doctor Strange on it. I'm holding, behind the scenes. I'm holding off on buying the, the Blu-rays until they do the eventual box. You set. and Jason Salazar, but uh, I had I had forces beyond my control. That I have the, it has to go next to the other. I two. know, I know. No, Jason said exactly the same thing, and yeah. I laughed, and I but I gave in on this one because it's sort of like I. I you know what I might not have the Winter Soldier for exactly the same like I was going to get uh, season two, going to get phase two. I just don't know if I can wait that long for phase three with with Civil War being as good as it is. Yeah, and hoping that Doctor Strange will be as good as it looks. But you, you can go to Fanboy Planet and we do and there's a little behind the scenes video that they released last week interviewing Benedict Cumberbatch about it. So um, just every time they do that interdimensional stuff, I just went oh, oh it's it, so good it looks terrific. Thank you Inception. There's an interesting one, and I can't remember the name of the story. This is Your Life. It was the short story that was a Hugo Award winning. The movie is called Arrival with Amy Adams. I don't know this one. It, aliens, inv- aliens arrive, and they speak in a uh, – they have a strange written language and a strange spoken language. And Amy Adams is a linguist, wow. and it plays with time and – they're just these obelisks hanging in the sky and they open up like once every 48 hours or something. And she goes in and she's slowly deciphering their language. So it's a very different kind of think piece. I have not read the short story at uh-huh. one point. I think Chuck surface actually, uh, I'll say, you know, give him, give him credit. You know, Chuck shout out from the two, Chuck, two buck Chuck from the Nirvana, Nirvana podcast. podcast, um, had posted a link to the story online and I think it's called, this is your life. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sure. But anyway, it, it, it looks like an interesting psychological science fiction story and I'm all for those things happening. Cause like last year, if you haven't seen yet story of your life, story of your life. Okay. Uh, midnight special, which is now on uh, winter 2000 nebula award for best nebula. Novella. Okay. Anyway, let's not bog down on it. We've got past it, but like midnight special last year being kind of a low, key psychological sci-fi story which is now on uh on netflix i think has midnight special mm-hmm. definitely recommend that again um another one coming up of course is in november 18th fantastic beasts and where to find them which looks really good i caused somebody to just lose it this weekend when i was just comparing about talking about about gaming and ver- augmented reality and the rumor pops up and I know it's just fan wishful thinking, but a poke if if Warner Brothers either teamed with Niantic or did a development of their own and did a Fantastic Beasts game like Pokemon Go. Oh, that'd be wild! And and built in, I I think the component that augment that Pokemon Go is missing to make us all corporate slaves and drones. Is that if you? I, I welcome our new. If uh, you tie, if you tied in a social media aspect, if players of the game could communicate with each other through the game, yes, it's definitely missing that. And that would be that would be the next level that will put us all into a vir- into a truly virtual reality, and we'll all just become become uh, surrogates. We'll have our little robot selves moving around. We'll just all be in Snow Crash in the in the virtual reality or. Uh, Ready Player One. Same thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah actually very similar concepts. Yeah. Just Ready Player One is more child-friendly. Um, that I, I, I will just say it. You're hearing it for, here now, and if it actually happens sometime in October, if Nintendo, if, or sorry, if Warner Brothers, out of the blue, announces there's a Fantastic Beast coming, because limiting the Hogwarts wouldn't work. You couldn't no. do a Harry Potter one. Right. 
but expanding the world and you're just hunting the beast. Especially since the theme is this is in America. America, yeah. But I mean, but it can be global. Sure. It, it is, sure. Because the fantastic beasts They've are everywhere. All over. Yeah. You know, it is, I, yeah, I'm just making that prediction. So along that line, it's, it, this isn't a thing we normally cover, but last week, three new books came out from Pottermore. Three new, at $2.70 each, there are three collections of uh, Hogwarts um, stories. The Hogwarts, An Incomplete and Unreliable Guide. Well, that's the, you're, you're doing the Kindle versions, right? Right. Well, the you can read them ones. on, you can read them on your No, but computer. there are actual hard copies of them available. Yes, there are. Yes. But I'm saying $2.70 each for the Kindle versions. Um the actually the the you hard can't covers wait to upload your consciousness into the, the hard into covers canyon. don't come out for a little while still they first came out on on ebooks um which is uh, like star wars did that with those uh alien short stories novellas i think did, you're right that yeah. uh that, that were Land, collected that landry walker wrote yeah so they're they're short stories the second one is hogwarts of heroism hardship and dangerous hobbies and finally hogwarts of over power politics and pesky poltergeists yes so um and you don't have to read them in any particular order because they're all just unrelated uh, short stories yes all leading up to fantastic be somewhere to find them and the yeah. next uh, you know and uh which of course the next thing is you know uh, i think i think we missed saying this that warner brothers is trying to negotiate with daniel radcliffe and emma watson and rupert grint to be when they get around to which i called on the podcast yeah when they get around, no big, no great oracle, oracular thing, when they get around to making Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Yeah. They, you know, they want to make them closer of age and get the original cast back and to be supporting roles. That makes sense. Daniel Radcliffe doesn't want to do it right now, which is Hollywood speak for Daniel Radcliffe wants, a, wants Daniel Craig James Bond money <laughs> to be, <laughs> and he'll get it. He should. He should, absolutely. Uh, Moana, which has a little bit of controversy this week, but Moana is the next one from Pixar. Is it still about body shapes? Uh, No. no. Oh, you haven't seen this. That Disney released a costume of Maui uh, for children, and it is the tattooed, heavily tattooed, and it's muscled. Oh, it's a torso body suit? Yeah, for kids. But the argument is, well, you know, it's dark skinned. Of course it is. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, uh, but they said the tattoos of a, of a Polynesian warrior would be like earned. So to actually put them is, it's oh. violating its cultural. Pro- and I don't know where yeah. I fall on that because I can totally get the point because it's, you know, even when you did like, I don't know, a muscle kid suit for like, any other superhero? Well, then they have the same argument with the costumes. movie because obviously the animated character. Didn't oh, earn but them. they do. That was yeah. there was the body shape argument, and I'm just like, okay, that got put down. So, you know, I I don't know. And, and as I've said before, two middle aged white men have no business weighing in on whether or not you have a right you to just be have offended to wait by for that. the Polynesians to make a movie that that, that people can make. Can well, yeah, somebody's argued that so, on yeah. uh, online about that's Mulan was apparently um, not the animated film China, the. People of China didn't like Mulan, but one of the things that came out was because why did Disney tell the story, and we didn't? Right, you know. But but I know that that's why China is making a big move into 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 great production work mm-hmm. with DreamWorks and Disney because both of them realizing Kung Fu Panda honestly did more to sell Chinese culture to the world than, than any actual the, Chinese than movie the Chinese that's come out. You know, movie council. And the flip side, when the Chinese government makes a movie, who do they put in the lead? 
Matt freaking Damon. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, when they make their global epic. They, they appreciate they, they, they No, but like anybody else. Who's going to bring in, who's going to put butts in seats? Matt, Matt freaking da- Damon. Matt freaking Damon, right, you know. But so. they appropriated our Damon. <laughs> no, don't go there. Write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com and just uh, under the usual header, what's wrong with Rick? I okay. didn't spell it that way. No. Um, I did know about this movie, but you were intrigued. La La Land with uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. A musical, an original been, movie been musical. It's been too long since I've seen Emma Stone in a movie. <laughs> I think the last thing I saw her in was Birdman. Well, because she was in that Aloha, speaking of cultural appropriation, where she was playing the half-Asian one. Oh, that's right. I didn't see that. No one did. Um, and, yeah, I don't know what else she's done. Yeah. I, I don't know. But I totally, after the whole, um, the whole karaoke thing with... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon? I, I totally want to see her in a, in a musical. No, I, well, I just like seeing musicals. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I'd i like to see I'm very excited. It's TV, but to say, they, I, they're actually making a live musical that I want to actually watch live for television, which is Hairspray. Because I realized just a month ago, they actually gave the original Edna, Harvey Fierstein, the chance to play Edna Excellent. For, for all time. Because I did not like John Travolta as the character. No. You know, Harvey Fierstein has it, so he's going to get to be Edna in the in the live broadcast. And if you go to Universal Studios right now, they don't always call it out as this, but they are building a new soundstage, and the tour goes right past it. They're building a new soundstage, and that's going to be the first production. Excellent is you know is that did you did you actually finish Gallivant the second season? Okay, I'm almost done with it, and it's it's a heartbreaking. It's it's a good ending, but it has a cliffhanger for a season three that's never going to happen. Yeah, well, and, I felt that way about season one. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it, it ended much more conclusively, and okay. then and then opened up where it would go, and it was a hell of a lot of fun. The last episode of Gallivant is probably the best episode out of all of them. Okay, really fun. I've been going through it really slow because they are good. You, you got to savor it. You got to yeah. savor it. Uh, Rogue One, of course, we've already talked about that coming. Yep, Assassin's Creed. Which is doing the weird reversal of most of the scenes apparently are modern day and only some are set in right. in the past. What was revealed today was that actually all the scenes set in uh, medieval Spain or Renaissance Spain are actually in Spanish. So nice. that should be interesting. Uh, Subtitled? I know, yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I just think that's a really interesting choice. I don't think that's cool. Uh, Passengers, another sci-fi film that's yep. interesting with... Uh, with uh, with Mystique and Star-Lord teaming up as the two people that wake up. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, J- Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt as two people on a ship uh, that's supposed to be a hibernation ship. And they, and they wake up in the middle of the, fo- of the 90-year journey uh, halfway through. So it's too soon. And what are they going to do? And they can't wake anybody up. And there's some other secret going on. Now, that's the kind of science fiction story I want to tell. I hope it doesn't end up being like they have to blast their way out of an alien stronghold or something that they just actually tell a science fiction story. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It'll so, never happen. I, I don't know. Um, I, then, uh, Sing, which is the next uh, universal animated film. What, what is that company? It's not the ones that do Despicable Me. Um, and Minions, uh, I can't remember the name of the studio, uh, but it's a production company that that is Universal's animated company, which is basically their uh, uh, the anthropomorphic animal version of the voice. 
uh, or of American right, Idol, right, right, uh, which could be interesting. I, you know, it just uh, we'll see. Interesting cast. Uh, the space between us, or Teen Martian, or as I like to also think, the movie that ruined all chances in hell of Stranger in a Strange Land ever getting adapted into film. Uh, the space between us uh, about the kid who's born on Mars and comes back and can't survive in our atmosphere. Um, and it's not, uh, I do want to say. It's unfortunate. It, yeah. For Christmas, and this is not a fanboy planet kind of thing, but I know it's a good play, so the film adaptation finally making it. Fences, uh, produced and starring Denzel Washington in a role that, that uh, James Earl Jones originated on Broadway and won the Tony Four way back in the 70s. Um, so I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I'd say about movie. 70% of those I'm anxious to see. Oh, very good. All right. Let's talk about things you're anxious to watch on television. Ooh. Into the Badlands season television. two. Yeah. Which so, season one's coming out, uh, so, on see, DVD and whatever on November 8th. Right. Um, I, did you watch any of it? Nope. Oh, it's it's like the because it's Akiva Goldsman, and I have uh, I you know I still get night sweats from Batman and Robin. Yeah, and he wrote that and this Batman is, Forever, so I blame him completely. This has this is really quite cool. It's got kind of this. Um, it's a future post apocalyptic thing, but it's got a lot of the the old South storytelling in it. Um, not quite like uh, plantation slave owners and stuff, but pretty damn close except if the slaves were all ninja warriors um and you got uh it's almost a game of thrones kind of family dynasties fighting each other um and all it's terrific action stuff terrific uh with a little bit of um where is this strange technology coming from that everyone's trying to find out about so i mean which ties in nicely to the next television thing yes Wizard and Glass, which is part of the Dark Tower, which is exactly the same question you you have when you're reading those novels. So uh, there we go. Where is that strange technology coming from? Yes. The tie-in, the Dark Tower, uh, volume one of uh, the film, The Gunslinger, is, but I don't even know if the, the movie's being called The Gunslinger, but Idris Elba is, is and Matthew McConaughey are in the big screen adaptation, which Entertainment Weekly uh, gave some pictures for a few, a few, uh, few weeks ago. Yep. And uh, way does, back when, when those rights were first bought, yeah, the plan had been to do movies and in between do a television series that would that would kind of unite all the, the different pieces so that you'd have the major set pieces happen in movie theaters right. and the t- television fill in the gaps. And then when they announced this finally, ver- this version that's being made, they had not talked about that at all they just went the dark tower hey and here's your Elba and matthew mcconaughey and then it was revealed they are planning they don't have a network attached but this is the way it works now yeah in the wake of fargo being successful and uh i think even really to say ash versus evil dead did this uh is you uh, you can just announce that you're planning to do this series get every all the fans excited and then sell it to a network sure you know um and, and american gods on is working that way you, you, well <laughs> Maybe that's not the best example, Rick, because that movie sucked. But, uh, but you know, this is the thing. I mean, Kevin Smith is going to sell Buckaroo Banzai as at least two seasons worth. Yep. You know, he's got a plan to do ten episodes, and I could see Wizard and Glass doing exactly the same thing. Yep. And it's the perfect place to start because it is, it gets you into the heart of the story, 
and then takes you back to the beginning of the story. So Idris Elba will appear in the TV series kind of in like framing sequences, mm-hmm. whereas a different actor plays him as a young, young boy. man. You know, so. Which they're still great. Both sides are great stories. And I'm, I'm, I, when I heard this and I heard the, the reasoning for why things might not be exactly the same as they are in, quote unquote, the books, um, that made perfect sense too. You know, it's it's the nature of the story, and I'm trying to dance around any kind of spoilers. Here. I know that's the problem. Is yeah. I I agree that 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 revelation about the image that was released and saying like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, is so go out and read all eight books right now. <laughs> so please, all the things I sw- I promised my son. You've read them. Everything but the you, you gave, ever read you wing, gave wing me the this- keyhole. You, yeah, that's the one you gave me for my birthday a few years ago. It yeah. was like the side story. It's after the whole thing was finished. Yeah, it's four point it four ju- point one. It just sits next to my bed, and every now and then I look down at the stack and go, "Oh, that's right, I have that one to yeah. read." I'm I'm so mad at myself and my lack of reading these days. And, you know, even really comic. Well, books. you can still just read the seven books. You've already done. That, I have so read you don't all feel the left seven. Out when I you know, but I one. I feel that way about. Uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I keep telling my son, "I'm gonna we'll, go, we'll buy it." I'll read it. You can read it. And then I went, well, maybe I'll just buy it and you can read it. And then I'll never see it again because he'll take it home to his, uh, to his mother's house and just be like, "Uh, all right, I'll buy two copies. But, but then I realized, no, it's opening next week. So there's no time. I'm just going to have to watch the movie and hope that it's a pretty good adaptation. Um, and, uh, you called out that Netflix is joining Xfinity. Comcast is making a big deal out of this. And the question I have for you, I'm going to challenge here. Okay. So, Xfinity is offering this X1 service and Netflix, and actually they've been sneaking it on That's, already. If you go on demand, you totally see that the that all the Netflix programming is available on demand in kind of a, kind of like you can buy individual episodes or right, right. coming soon kind of thing. They've been putting it out there. How much more is that service? How much more is what service? X1 over what you would normally have. Uh, I don't know. I've always had X1. That was what got me to go to Comcast. So. I can't I can't tell you. It, but basically what they do is if stuff is available for watching for streaming after it's been broadcast mm-hmm. already, they pretty much have it there. And so whatever whatever arrangements they they have. So if you miss the first 5 episodes of something and it's still available like on the ABC site, you can just go to X1 and watch it. So there's I mean that's mostly the TV side of it. Movie side a lot of the stuff that's available on, if it's currently available on HBO, Showtime, whatever, you can just go there and watch it. You have to wait. You don't have to wait until no, no, it's scheduled. I, mean, I do actually have all that on my PC, which is where it's all blurring. Is now that I've cracked right. that, all these services are blurring, and it's and why I'm asking is like you got excited that Netflix is coming to X1. My question is for the person who has not switched over to X1 is right. How much more are you really saving? As I spend, I think my membership. And Netflix is nine ninety nine a month. Sure, no, this is not. It's not about replacing your Netflix uh, subscription. It's about replacing your cable subscription. So whatever you're paying for cable is what you're looking at as far as the number you want to. But X one is my cable subscription. So you currently have X one. Yes. So my understanding from this notice is that uh, that the but not Netflix everybody but not there. everybody who has Comcast has X one. Correct. But I think most of their push has been. Oh, their push has. I know, and they exp- and, and it costs a crap load. It it does cost more. Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, is it ten dollars more? Is it twenty dollars more? Is it worth 
right. saying I'm going to throw everything into net to my X1 subscription instead of Xfinity. So do you currently that, have or, a do you have a DVR service with your Comcast? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm selling you this is a Comcast. Well, no, because you got excited, and so I wanted to have so the discussion it's not on an the X1 podcast. DVR. Not yet. Okay, so X1 is one of those things where you have like. I don't know if it's like eight simultaneous channels you can record at the same time. Yeah, we can and, only do two. And you can watch it anywhere else in the, the household. Mm-hmm. Um, they keep pushing it to me on the computer, but the thing is I don't see the difference now with the computer. When you have it on demand, Yeah, I mean, you know, I can just go in and pull it. I don't need to pull from the DVR. Once I've cracked being able to watch on my PC. See, for me, it's about simplifying everything. You know, about not having a bunch of different services. See, what I notice is when you, when you simplify, it still seems more complicated to me. But uh, it's back to that It's back to that bias of knowing that, like, whatever interface you're used to. Yeah, that's simple. Y- yeah. Right. No, I, I, I have a lot. I do like the X1 service. I do think they are the best ever cable service, uh, the DVR Incorporation. I have a couple of nitpicks with them. Um, I'm not going to go into them because they're really nerdy. But... The, of course they are. But the the all in one aspect of it is is terrific for me because I do not I you know I don't want to go hunt down Hulu and then have to watch that show in front of my computer in the den or like the laptop in my lap you know whatever it's well on, the reason it's for the, it's the, the reason for Hulu of, now yeah. is the programming the original program that Hulu's going in. They haven't gotten as much attention for right. it the way that Netflix has. I mean, right. that's, you know, there were talk about there have been articles all over the place in the last week about Netflix becoming this huge content provider and all the studios and all the net, television networks being uncertain and, and even program developers, people that are actually you know, producers saying, like, Netflix isn't even telling the makers of their shows how yeah. well they're doing. And so that's really an interesting... Um, My take on this, though, is if if I've Netflix the, is just incorporated into mm-hmm. into it as just a, another standard service that you can use use it, and that that Netflix mm-hmm. gets a kickback that comes out of my subscription, that's a, that's a great. And I know a lot of people talk about cord cutting, and I and I and the more these services have shown up, like CBS. By the way, I want to say something that I discovered recently about CBS's streaming service. Yeah. Which we should also say, they pushed back their new Star Trek series another four or five months. Really? Uh, They're delayed, you know. But if you're in the U.S. to watch Star Trek, you have to have the CBS streaming. Oh. If you're anywhere else... You just get it. It's on Netflix. Oh. Outside of the U.S. Oh. And so it's interesting when... When more the, everybody started seeing that there's this piece of the pie of the cord cutting, yeah, and then what's happening with X1 and Netflix is exactly what I thought was going to happen. Is you start realizing that you're spending as much See, the, getting the, subscription services that you might as well just all coalesce it. You want to simplify it, but the whole point of having created Netflix yeah. in the first place was you wanted to get away from that. You know, there's going to be a big fan backlash on that, and that's one of those things where. The fans know how to get around it. Oh yeah, and that's lost revenue for for them. So I, I they best listen to people because I I, it's I like, think it's a failure too. I, we only get Doctor Who on the same day as the as the UK does now because no one was waiting for it to show up in the US. We were all just getting it streaming right. And then from, here's the thing with CBS or is they were all getting they're it. doubling down. You know they put all their eggs in the, the whole reason 
for selling that CBS streaming service was that Star Trek series. Yeah. And now I see the ads for it now. Like, you can watch Supergirl, only now you can't. Now you watch Supergirl on CW, so it'll show up on, on your Comcast right. and your Hulu anyway. Um, although maybe not on Hulu. We're not sure what that deal actually is now. Netflix has a new deal with um, with CW. Uh-huh. But you can wait. Um, they're showing all the old Star Treks. Well, so's BBC. Um, so that's on demand and that's also all over Netflix and, and Hulu. So, you know, it's just CBS. If you want that stuff, you've already got everything that CBS has and, or, or wait and watch it on MeTV the way we used to watch it, you know, yeah. over the air. So, you know, I think it's all just going to co- collapse back into one service again. I I think that what's going to happen is these changes are being made by a bunch of greedy old men who don't understand the technology and the times. And when they this are, is a frightening time when they become it's a frightening time for them. It's exciting for everybody else who knows it. And the only thing I find frightening is the restraint of trade that um, that some lobbies are trying to push on the general internet. And no, ex- I mean this access. is what's happening in the publishing world. Whereas you know, because I, I when I was in teaching. And I can now speak freely, right? Is that every comp, every publisher that wanted to have digital and uh, rent right. the books to the students, and so they wanted to be able to charge the same price as they did uh, for the textbooks for like seventy or eighty bucks. Yep. For the paper one, it's like this costs you nothing. Yes. You know, and it's just uh, yeah. It, it, and then when I say it's a scary time, it because it don't like- dismiss you, and I'm not saying this to be pejorative. You're an engineer type. Mm-hmm. You've always been an early adopter. Mm-hmm. I wait for you to get pissed off five or six times at a technology <laughs> before I feel it's safe for me to adopt. Yeah. Um, so you are you see yourself as a disruptor. You embrace the change. You dive in, and then you grouse, and that's fine. Yeah. Most of the population just grouses. They're scared of change. Yeah. And I'm halfway in between because I'm reading the sci-fi. These things are the things that I expect to happen. And I, I do embrace it, but I'm just tentative. See, I think Gen X and even the millennials are a lot more fluid than But that. I would agree with yeah. that. But the people that are paying for everything... Are the parents. <laughs> and right. the grandparents. Yeah. And we're back to a UI situation where that's great, but the majority, uh, the largest True. population base are the baby True. boomers. That's you. That's yeah. not me. <laughs> I'm just squeaking on the edge of Generation X. But, you know, the baby boomers, they're out there. Not understanding this at all. They just they're, they're still the ones, looking for where's where's all my children. They're the ones who are saying it's on channel four and you know that's on yours. This is a different service. Well, like whenever I tell people about me TV, it's like I I don't know, I think it's channel twenty <laughs> out here on the airwaves. Yeah. And yet I have I have cousins and friends that cut the cord and they just go on the uh, with my I think my brother just does the uh antenna mm-hmm. and picks up and, and picks up and I go <laughs> primitive. That's the way we did it when I was four. Um, and I use that ton of voice, uh, but but you know that. But I couldn't tell you. I I know everything by network names. I right. don't know what channel they are. Right. I don't know what time things are on because everything I watch is. Isn't recorded. that astounding? Yeah. Like if someone had it, I think Charlie McCollum was the one, and I'm gonna. Debbie actually knew Agents of Shield was on the other night, and she said, "Are we recording this?" I well, go, I you had so. your Winter is Coming party, and I was talking to J.C. Uh, Velacqua and, and Chuck Surface, and this is something about The Flash is starting this week. No, The Flash actually started. That's what we've all lost time. The yeah. Flash is actually starting in two weeks, and S.H.I.E.L.D. started this week, and I think Gotham might have also started this week. Yeah. 
but I only just watched episode three of season two last week on the plane ride back uh, from, from from where I was working. And I'm just like, you're right. I've lost all time. I've lost all connection. Right. Charlie McCollum, a friend of Family Planet, a former Mercury News writer, posted something about it. He reviewed all that because he used to be the TV critic. So he said, like, this this season's a great thing. You've got to watch The Good Place. And by the way, they showed an episode. Oh, yeah. They showed episodes Sunday night or on, the po- uh, on Monday or Monday night. So the first two episodes. Right. So they were on Xfinity. So I was able to go like, oh, okay, great, because I needed something. I didn't want to get. I didn't want to go further in catching up on the other superhero shows. I wanted something that was a little light and comedic right, and would keep right, me awake. Right. And you know, so that's why I watched watched that. But it's like I have no idea what anything is. I was excited for Son of Zorn, which I want to say now I'm not because I saw it. Um, did you watch it? No. Oh, don't. I, this is my other negative review of this week. <laughs> I mean, here's a sitcom that I thought was a, what a funny idea. Like a He-Man goes right. in, in the real right, world. Right. Nothing makes sense. It's the not commercial, funny. The commercial wasn't funny to me. So the, Yeah, I thought, oh, it's it, what a, you <laughs> know. Right. If this is the best, forget it. There wasn't anything. And it, it felt like it should have been like one of those, uh, what's the the guy's street and whatever, the, the dude, all the stuff for Cartoon Network. Um, like oh, William Frisky, Street. Frisky. Uh, William Street, Frisky Dingo and Frisky, Archer. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. It felt like it should have been that kind of wacky stuff. And nope, like, nope, it wasn't. Nope. Yep. Nope. It tries to be a regular sitcom with a He-Man-like character. Yeah. And doesn't understand anything that makes He-Man work. Yeah. Not that He-Man really works if you're 51, but, but you that's know. That's part of why it works. <laughs> right. I mean, it just is. So. Anyway, let, that's enough for that. Let's talk about those shows that came back. So Gotham, as I said, I'm on season three. And I had this kind of season. I, I need to watch episode four of season two and then go forward. I got so much binge watching to do and no time. Uh, and I apologize. I'm going to say right now, I think I offended uh, JC about this because he was saying, like, Gotham is really great. And, again, it's a, kind of a show. Chuck and I talked about it Saturday night and said, like, it's the kind of show that if you accept that the it's premise. not Batman. Right. And it's not like yes. I would not be surprised if at the end of season three, Bruce Wayne dies. <laughs> Bruce Wayne dies, and Jim Gordon becomes Batman. Right, exactly. Like it's that a, would be awesome <laughs> because that's what it is. You know, he's that tough guy. He's yes. the Batman. Yeah, and and I'm like, and the villains are great. And and and, uh, and again, I got to apologize because I think JC was was just trying to tell me he's like, I love Gotham, and I was like, I've got a better plot for you. The, but you know, let me finish it. Gordon, it's just okay. I have my apology. It's like it is fun. It is crazy. And for someone um, who has not spent 46 years steeped in Batman stories, yeah. I'll bet Gotham really works really well. And I just, sure. it, and I just have to let go. Nobody's, nobody's e- saying, well, that's in conflict with Every canon. time I yeah. watch it, I have to let go of so many preconceived yes. notions. Yes. And he and I had a vague disagreement on Batman v Superman as well. Same thing. And I realized it's because he's approaching it from a newer, right. fresher viewpoint. He doesn't have all he's that mostly, baggage. He's, I think he's mostly cinema. And I and yeah. I don't mean to like speak yeah. for, for anybody from Nirvana. It's just we happen to have that conversation, yeah. and, and it and it's made me think a lot about. I like, often have to with a lot of this stuff. Is oh yeah, you don't have all these different versions that you've watched over and over right. and over in your head. And, you have to reconcile, otherwise the head will the explode. One, right, you know, and and so. But uh, wouldn't it be great if they if they killed off not only they killed off Bruce Wayne, but they also kill off Gordon and most of the police, and so it turns into Game of Thrones Gotham, 
with all the all the villains and their fiefdoms trying to take it over and take over the. Uh, uh, wasn't that a, one of the plot lines in the comics? Uh, wasn't that kind of no man's land? It's kind of um, no man's land. Or now it's being uh, all star Batman. The other thing is by establishing that they've that they're aging Poison Ivy up in the most well publicized creepy thing of yeah. sexualizing a character that was like eight when yes. it started. Yes, by making her adult and sexy, which Poison Ivy is. Yeah. Um, you can do the same to Bruce Wayne. He could lose five years. Oh. You could accelerate him and just turn it into a Batman series. Or, like I said, at this point, since it doesn't resemble any version of the Bat mythos I knew. Right. Which, i got to say this, but the Telltale game version, which I'm, I'm waiting until it's all done yeah. to get. Um, apparently, in Chapter 2, they revealed that Thomas Wayne was a mobster. <laughs> They totally went double down wow. and said, we're just remixing, we're doing our own version so of So it's the- Elseworlds, sorry. Well, of course it is. Yeah. But but that's the, you know, sorry, spoiler, but, you know, I should have said that. But but that's that's where the game is, has gone. It's like, <laughs> we're just taking these familiar characters. And I realized it's one of those things, again, that because we've never let any version of the story fade away. Right. We're in that time culturally. Every time you've somebody has retold King Arthur, and I've read two or three different official versions of it and it's very different is like because you weren't tied to right the previous one right. somebody else discovered that you know somebody and and we're in that time but without those stories fading and i've, I've made that before like nobody ever says that's not my father's hercules tom galloway argues with me oh we have records of that <laughs> criticism is it but i thought about it and actually i mean that's what the Athen- the athenian plays were the the bacchanalia the the, fe- the the festival the tragedy festival was you know, you would they would retell the same myths over different playwrights would, and like the version of Medea we have, we do have enough records to know that the Athenians hated it. Wow, but it was a well loved story. That was the one she and got they, all you know, the villains together to fight the absolutely uh, yeah. no. That's the one. It was a, really the first feminist play uh, outside of the comedies because I, I would make an argument for Lysistrata, but. Um, we got just really intellectual here, people. I, 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 but Medea is, if you've seen Jason the Argonauts, that's the princess who betrays her family to be with Jason. Right. And then he gets back and betrays her for a younger woman. Yes. And she kills the children and leaves Jason and the gods are on her side. And the Athenians did not like that Stop idea. Stop saying Jason, though. Yeah. Salazar? Um, <laughs> Salazar and the Argonauts? Uh, the Argonauts! Um, yeah. You know, he'll appreciate that joke. Uh, so... Gotham was back. That was crazy. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I did not watch it, but Ghost Rider showed up. Yeah, it was awesome. Okay. Actually, I didn't care for the comic revitalization with the with the big black car and um, the kind of the, the the skull that isn't quite really a skull. It looks very metallic to me. Like, and, a, like it the, looks like a mask. It looks like a mask, and but that change effect is really good and the car is quite awesome and the opening sequence if you just watch if you just want to watch the first 15 minutes of the show that's 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 enough to give you um quite a bit of of insight into, into well why if this we wrap if we wrap up quickly tonight i will get one hour closer to there being you able to watch that go. episode because you know at the beginning of the summer, I went, oh, Netflix brought Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season season two on. So and they brought the whole Jamie Ray story through with the brother in the wheelchair. Season three. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm still working my way through the end of season three so that uh, I can. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I still have a couple weeks. I did not. Yes. Um, and every night last week, I was, that was my goal was to sit. But I'll tell you, you know, what I gave into. And I, I'm just going to confess it, even though it's not on the uh, 
on the agenda, I I binge watched Rick and Morty. This I, was the first time you'd watched. I them? watched the entire two seasons that, of that, Rick and Morty. And you know in what? A week. I bet it wasn't hard at all to keep going. I watched three episodes a night. Oh, I had no so energy, good. and I would still like, no, I got to watch one more. Oh, I'm too tired. So um, good. A few I had to, you know, rewind because I was tired and fell asleep. But I was like, no, I got to get through this one. Uh, yeah. So I, I because I, I did want to talk, I, I do want to write something up about the virtual recality and realized. Yes. I appreciated the game. Uh, you know, I appreciated the game for being a virtual reality experience, but I didn't really know the the show. So I'd watched the first episode, went eh, and then I watched the second one and went, oh, that was funnier. And then, um, you know, then it's been a few months, and then I went, okay, I'm going to dive right back into it. And I just had to power through. And, you know, the episode, the brilliant episode. Which is good because I don't have to wait as long as you do, as you did, for for season three. (laughs) The, I'm just at the cliffhanger. The brain parasite episode is the best. The, the, where, because I recognized immediately when it was happening, it's like, oh, that's that Torchwood episode. That's that Doctor Who, you know? Yeah. And then he's picking up every trope. What a great sci fi series. So yeah. I just want to. There call is, it out. by the way, a, uh, a pocket, uh, a, a phone version of that called Infinite Mortys, which yes. is basically the Pokemon game, the original Pokemon game where yeah. you're around collecting all the Mortys instead of the Pokemon. See, so. Yeah. Yeah. There are, I think they have a couple of different games for it. So. I'm interested now to go back, and I can't remember which. I have a card game too. Which public? I know, but there's also a comic book. Somebody's been doing Rick and Morty yes. comics, and I can't remember. And which I publisher bought it like is. the first ten of it, and it was pretty good. But I decided to drop that. I just don't know that it would fit. Like this, the continuity. I like the slow throwaways. That I'm like, that's going to come back. It's the voices and the and I was right that everything, everything. was going to come back. You know, yeah. um, I love that. Um, so I do want to sort of point out the good place is what surprised me most of it is Drew Goddard. Director of Cloverfield yeah. and one of Joseph's people is the director of the first episode, setting a tone for this show to be smarter and deeper and more philosophical really in a very funny comedy. Uh, I thought it was a good idea. I wanted, you know, I was excited to watch it. The part it was where a, she realized she can't swear was just amazing. I well, I saw that in trailers at Comic Con. Well, you know what? Remember, you know how how NBC always has that billboard, yeah, video billboard before you cross the street to get to the coming. That trailer played over and over and okay. over. So it was in the trailer. So I'd seen that. So I thought, well, it's funny. I want to give it a shot. <laughs> Having no idea what the larger story was going to be, uh-huh. and so I appreciate one. Let others take lesson from this trailer. Yes, that. It did not. It showed me a couple of jokes, but did not betray what was really going on in as far as the meta plot. There's a bit of a discovery, Still and left for you. and and it was just, and so that came as a surprise. I had a little comment with uh, Jason Salazar today, and saying like, I'm not sure this is one of the series, and I don't mind this anymore. I and I think television's going here. I'm not sure that what they're setting up. Can, could sustain more than one season, but we'll get a hell of a great season. It's like the Grinder last year, which was canceled. The Rob Lowe and Fred Savage. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you watched that. I watched like one episode. Then take in exchange for the Rick and Morty recommendation. Okay, watch the Grinder, and about halfway through the Grinder, I realized there's no way that this arc can go past one season, and there's no way that they can come up with another arc that would be satisfying. Uh. And so it actually ends, and that is a perfect one-season show. Okay. A wonderful story, hilarious, character growth, great. 
I was sad that it got canceled, and yet on the same flip side, was like You're saying that it's a good idea that it yeah. was because bookended. You can't wrap it. top how strong that one season was. Yeah, it's too bad nobody watched it. Clearly, you didn't. Uh, you know, and 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 a lot of people didn't. And it was it's satisfying and hilarious. And the, and I think the good place is going to be the same way. Is like what a great first season story, right? And I just think that trying to stretch it out would ruin what it is. That's that's what we've had. We've talked about this before. That a lot of the British stuff knows Absolutely. knows where it should limit it and closes and it right. off. And, there's a, I, I, and the U.S. I, just tries to milk everything. I just want to support whenever a U.S. program because, like, I. I gave up on Sleepy Hollow because one of the reasons is people I loved that the first season established its premise so neatly yeah. blah, blah, blah. and new showrunners came in and ripped the premise apart. Hmm. Just destroyed it. And then and now everybody's like, well, you know, it's not as good as it was. It's like, no, of course not, because it set a limit on itself and then you got greedy or you thought you got panicky. You you were like a Warner Brothers movie executive with your superhero movies. Just saying, we got we got to switch. No, there was a very clear vision laid out. Let it happen, yeah. and it, and you know, so now it's a mess flailing around. If it, I don't even know if it's it is coming back, but half the cast was gone, uh, even though they were all established as they were crucial sure. for the long run, and then they panicked and, and got rid of it. Um, I can now say, uh-huh. uh, October second, Ash versus Evil Dead comes back to stars, uh, season two. I have watched the first two episodes of Ash versus Evil Dead. The embargo lifted on Monday. No time to review it, but I can hear. It is... They finally found the line that you cross with me where I go, I have to turn away. But uh, it's hilarious. And bringing in Lee Majors as Ash's father, as brilliant to move as I thought it was going to be. Absolutely. And actually delving into Ash's past. And And this season they have the rights... To reference Army of Darkness. Oh, okay. So there's a lot more overt reference to what happened there, um, although it's not crucial. But really dealing with something that until this this season started, I had not really thought about is, um, if you recall Evil Dead 2, and Evil Dead 1 is the same plot. Yes. Ash and his friends go out into a cabin in the woods, and he's the only one who comes back. Right. And so, suspicious. <laughs> and so season two is dealing with that, that he went back to his town. Because Army of Darkness ends with that S-Mart thing. He's like, hey, you know, give me some sugar, hail to the king. Right. And it's like everything's cool. And this actually acknowledges, no, there's an entire small town going at, ashy slashy is what they call him. Uh-huh. They went out in the woods and came back and claimed that everybody else was killed by by demons. Right. You know, telling the truth. Right. And how no one can prove he that that wasn't what happened, but... You know, like, there's hurt. There's, like, this whole new level of Ash that gets to be played, and then it gets ridiculous and hilarious again. Yeah. But but that they get to play with that is just really... Uh, man, Bruce Campbell's brilliant. And it's just... Say, oh, yeah. And, but I, I watched the first two episodes and thinking, here it is, as you just talked about how unmemorable a movie summer season it felt, is, like, this is it. S- satisfying... Well told, uh, good storytelling is on no television. longer in the theaters. It's in television. Yeah. And the sooner the studios realize that you can take risks like the networks are doing and start doing that right. again. And not everything has to have a 
you know, five hundred million dollar budget. What do they say? Cyclone in the sky. I forgot there was a there was a word for the for the spinning maelstrom in the sky that really, as you pointed out, was the end of season one of The Flash, but uh, right. that ended uh, that that was both uh, Apocalypse and uh, Suicide Squad and what else was there? Sharknado. Uh, Sharknado. Okay. <laughs> uh, probably. Good lord, I couldn't even get past five minutes of that. Yeah. Um, you know that that I can go ten minutes into Ash versus Evil Dead and say, actually did have the it did make fun of the thing in the sky, um, but it told it in an interesting way and and was great writing, great timing, wonderful setting up new conflicts. Um, it, this is the bloodiest. It, it's like season one was very bloody. Oh lord! Yeah. If you are if you are afraid of gore, I just consider it so over the top that yeah, I can enjoy it, but. Um, it's not for you, but it's really well done. Right. And then episode two just really ooze. Uh But it's not gore. There's something else that I, I don't want to go to. But, okay. it is, but a line where I, I, I was talking to Jason Salazar again. I'm referencing so many. Hi, Jason. Uh, so many times tonight where, I, where I, I said, like, this is the line. This is the line that I had to go, all right, I know it's not going to happen again because right. of the situation. Um but it was the kind of thing that it's like, oh, that's the one thing that disgusts me. Oh, well, okay, I'll get past it. Oh, I did. I got past it. Phew, got through it. And, uh, you know, you, you were just saying a little while ago that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all about Bruce Campbell. And I was just going over my head. Everything I've seen him in, I can't the, – the low points are still higher points than a lot of other people have. So, like, his low points for me are like burn notice, which I thought was okay, but he's like a under, lot of people who love him. Yeah, he's underutilized. underutilized. He's always underutilized. And maybe Bubba Hotep, but that's again super low budget. Oh, film. I don't think that Bubba Hotep is a low point. I mean, I, it, it's more of a. It's from the standpoint of where everything else is. That's for him a low point, which I was saying is still a higher point than for most franchise type people. I mean, you go back to um, what's the one with him as a. Uh, the share he's the the western um the events of briscoe county briscoe county jr um even the i'm blanking blanking on the the one where he's a privateer kind of a yeah um i want to say ace of spades that's not right no Uh, jack 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 of all trades trades. yeah yeah i mean everything he's so damn watchable and everything he autolicus in uh xena oh yeah uh yeah no no no. and uh i mean you could go through uh, yeah you could go, just go through a ton of things where he is just, I mean, even tonally, he was one of the things that was didn't fit with the Spider-Man movies, but he they were fun scenes. Yes, and he's just one of those guys. He, you know, and I know he got the, you know, he got to be the lead in Evil Dead because he was the best looking out of all of them. But the thing is, that was lightning struck. That was yeah. kissed by they lucked out just as much as he lucked yes. out in that he is a, one of those actors you cannot take your eyes off of. He knows his persona. Yep. I talk about this a lot with people when I talk about you know theater training and so forth. He knows his persona. He knows how to play to it, whether by accident or design. He knows how to do it on purpose now. I don't know if he always did. But he figured it out early, played to it, and he is... Without being the a-hole, he is that way in person. You meet him, uh-huh. you talk to him, and he is just totally – I mean, he walks in. He, his persona fills the room, and everybody's like, <laughs> Bruce Campbell's here. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just one of those. I've talked to – you meet people that have that magnetism. He really yeah. does. He's yeah. uh, 
So, and it comes through on that show. It, it just, it's great, great series. So, uh, and, uh, also, uh, it goes back to a Comic-Con interview this, this summer, uh, that when it ran into, uh, Carrie Payton, uh, interviewed him for Teen Titans Go when his head was shaved. And he says, and I think it's on the audio in our podcast, uh, when somebody said, well, you got a new haircut because his head is shaved. He says, yeah, it's for a really cool role. I can't, I've got an NDA. I can't talk about. Right. And then yesterday it was revealed. I, and I think this has to be the, because that's got to be a wig that he's on in the photo. Um, he is now remind me of the character's name. He's going to be on the walking dead. He's the guy with the tiger. Um, oh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Carrie Payton, who is cyborg yes. in almost every incarnation of cyborg, except for on the big screen, um, in all the animated versions, uh, Carrie Payton is going to is going to be Ezekiel in season seven of The Walking Dead. It's just a terrific character in the story. And I again, I just love. It's not that it were uh, acquaintances or anything. It's just somebody that I have met that is like so deserving of attention and fame. A really nice guy, a kind guy. Uh, and this is the kind of thing that to get his feet. He's, his voice is really well known. He's now he's going to get his, you know, his face really well known by people, um, as a character that's big enough on the walking dead that even I know who that is. Yeah. And said, and I think this is a good time for you to jump in on the show. Cause it is, it is a, I mean, if I, if Nate were here, we, and we'd have this conversation, I think we could agree that you'd probably want to go back and watch like four or five episodes to close out the previous season. But I already know what's happening with Negan. Okay. You know, so why not just begin with, I've read enough articles spoiling what, yeah. what he did at the end of the season. Right. And then, so might as well just start and go, all right, who is it? You know, who, who, but got, who got at least back? watch the last episode because the, uh, who's the actor is playing Jeffrey him? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. He's just, does a he just, there is no scenery unchewed. Another person that I met once at Comic Con for Watchmen and uh, yeah. he's a comedian, and yeah. he is—he's another one. You, you feel this guy's sincerity. Now again, maybe that's—I'm uh, getting gamed by them all. But I've—I've I've run into people that I've gone like, Ugh, and then it shows up in the press later. Other people have the same experience. So I go like, you know, I can tell when someone's not really into being who they are. Yeah, and I can say that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is. Totally sincerely into, he's grateful. He's he's a good actor who deserves every bit of attention. You know, he's uh, spotlight the he gets. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I'd say the same thing about Carrie Payton. It's like they're just nice guys. I'd like to see, uh, you know, I'd like to see Scott Menville, who's Robin, get a good on-screen oh, yeah. r- role because they're just cool people. They deserve every bit of success they get. And uh, I'm sure they're, you know, everybody does. But but it's just it's it is really neat to see. Like, hey, I, I know who that is. And it's going to draw me back into the show because I, I, I do want to. Because again, let's be fair. I did watch the first season of The Walking okay. Dead. Okay, but you know, to be honest, I just didn't f- feel it was all that compelling. And the same thing kind of happened with Fear of the Walking Dead. I watched three episodes of that and went, "Yeah, that one took a long." But time I don't need to, to make time. It was a real for slow it, burn. At the is end. the is the problem? Whereas there's too many other superhero yeah. shows that it's like that I'm really into oh, no, that no, I want to no. watch. You know, and then you get distracted by Rick and Morty and still have two episodes <laughs> to go on Mr. Robot. And uh, anyway, so I better end this so I can get at least one episode further in <laughs> something tonight before I have to go back to work tomorrow morning. 
So uh, once again, thank you everybody for listening. And uh, you can, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. And of course, you can follow that Amazon link, as I mentioned. And if you're on iTunes or Google Play, rate us, review us, tell your friends, say you enjoy this. And I mean, assuming you do, I hope so. Uh, so thank you all. This is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com. And this is Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your powers, powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.